Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle introduce each other to movies. Uh, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of May, and uh, if you're not familiar with the event we're doing this month, uh, May is for monsters. And so essentially what that means is we're taking a look at monster movies, uh, so creature features and whatnot, um, be it supernatural or from the natural world or whatever. Um, so last week I had the pick, and uh, I subjected myself and Kyle to the film Underwater from 2020. Um, actually, it wasn't that bad. Which um, I, I enjoyed. I thoroughly enjoyed that film. Yeah, we had a good time with it. Yeah. Um, but this week, Kyle has the pick. and uh, <laughs> Transition. Um, so this week, Kyle had the peak, uh, the pick. And uh, Kyle, what did you select for us to watch this week? My batting average apparently dropped to about uh, 0.82 this week. Uh, I'm not batting 1,000 for picks, uh, which I kind of had a feeling after I read some of the reviews. Um, I picked uh, From the Dark from 2014. Uh, it's an Irish film. It has four people in it. Uh, yeah, this is a, a little bit of a monster movie. Uh, you're going to go ahead and ask me, why did I pick this? Um, and I'll tell you why I picked it. Uh, the trailer. Uh, I could kind of tell from the trailer, I'm like, this is going to be uh, very little, if any, CGI. I think we're actually creating a monster. I think we're actually going to try to use atmosphere, shadows to try to build tension. Um, and I was, I was right, for the most part. I like, this is what we did do. However, um... This movie kind of just loses it after a little while. Um, I think part of it might have to be with the performance, honestly. Uh, I feel like the character was trying to stay grounded in the situation. However, it didn't feel like they were even in the situation because of that. Um, I'll explain later what I mean by that. I'm going to make the Jeepers Creepers analogy. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that this would be kind of a fun watch. And it's hard to go word of mouth for these kinds of horror movies. Uh, you kind of just have to trust your instincts and see what happens. And usually I'm pretty good at this. Um, this is probably the worst one that I've picked uh, off the strength of the trailer, I'd have to say. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree. Um, <laughs> I was telling Kyle off air that um, for the most part, I I am tolerant <laughs> of pretty much every movie we do for the show. Yeah. Um, I've never walked away from any of them thinking, ah, that was crap. That was that was straight trash. Um, Kyle, on the other hand, is pretty critical. Um, more often more often than not, when we get to the wrap up portion of like my picks and whatnot, Kyle will just be like. Yeah, no, I don't need more of that in my life. <laughs> be like, so, hey, Kyle, you want to see the rest of the Eat Mon movies? There's no. like three more of them. It's like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I got it. I got it in the first two hours and ten minutes of the Eat Man 1. Uh, but this is this is interesting because back to back, we have what? Mutual catching up um, of yeah. cinema? Yeah. Uh, so neither Kyle nor I had seen Underwater going into it. So we both were coming into it with fresh eyes. And the same is with this one uh, so maybe for our next two picks um we should pick ones that we're familiar with yeah. um just to just to get back back to formula uh, as Willem Dafoe had said in Spider-Man <laughs> back to formula, back to formula. <laughs> um but yeah uh, this is indeed an Irish film um and funny enough Kyle has picked an Irish horror film before yeah. uh, we did an episode on The Hallow um, which I think only came out the year before this one yeah I believe um, so or year uh, after, I believe. I think the Hallow was 2015. Gotcha. Um, that one is a is a much more handsome production. You can tell they actually had a budget to work with. This is a very low budget film. Very like said, low. There are four 
four people on screen in this film. Yeah. One of whom, if you look at the IMDb trivia, apparently was doubled by the director. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, we're not working with much here as, as far as money is concerned. Um, but, yeah, just to just to reiterate uh, for folks who maybe didn't hear the underwater episode, um, both Kyle and I have slightly different tastes uh, when it comes to monster movies and whatnot. Um, I tend to go more for like straight up creature features. I like I like a monster that occupies the same space and reality as the people around it. I like I like a, a monster that behaves like a like an animal in the natural world, something mm-hmm. that has behavior patterns and that you you can fight it basically. Um, whereas Kyle, um, you you're more into kind of like supernatural kind of stuff. Or yeah, how would you describe it? Um, something you need a book or a special weapon to kill. Uh, that's that's more or less where I'm at. Uh, and in this case, we get a special weapon. The ending of this movie almost brought it up to a six for me. Uh, but then when I realized what happened, I'm like, fuck, you're back down to a four again. The, I mean, this is rated like 3.8 out of 10 on like IMDb. It has like four skulls on shutter, surprisingly, which is also kind of... Um, it had decent shutter, like a decent, decent shutter review, which says something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think horror fans tend to be like mass consumers of horror products um people that are into horror are generally really into horror so they're it's interesting because it's almost like a pro wrestling fan where um they're i guess educated is the wrong word especially for the wrestling (laughs) analogy but what what i'm trying to say is like uh, like a horror fan's palette tends to be varied like they they tend to have a pretty good sample size when it comes to their understanding of horror products and whatnot so when you get to that level of understanding of a genre or a subgenre, I feel like sometimes you start to appreciate what something doesn't do more mm-hmm. than what it does. Um, and because this is such a scaled back production, I feel like there's maybe people who give it an extra nod because it's like, oh, well, it it doesn't like go crazy with, with the gore and it doesn't go crazy with like ang- angles and like snap edits. And, and oh, there are a lot of jump scares in this movie. But there's a few. But you, you get what I'm trying to say, where yeah. it's like it, it's more about like the subtlety of it rather than like just like the splatter effects and whatnot. And we'll we'll definitely point out where it where it falters, like where where it kind of misses it, because it definitely does try to make use of a budget, like what like however much money that was. Uh, I think these people got paid in sandwiches, honestly. Uh. <laughs> If that, um, they probably got paid in those uh, mud bricks, <laughs> yeah, <no kidding. laughs> which are very cool looking, by the way. But I think the biggest problem of the movie has to do with defining the creature. Is I mean, we we kind of get a we get a sense of like what it's capable of uh, and how to defeat it. However, in making the movie suspenseful or making it interesting, we it loses its character. Like, it loses what makes it a monster that you were saying off air. It's like, yeah, uh, sometimes it decides it wants to wants to go after them, and then other times it's like, eh, nah. And, or sometimes it's able to see, sometimes it's not able to see. We go through Buffalo Bill vision, too, uh, a couple of times. So I'm like, okay, so we can see perfectly in the dark. Perfectly. And even if there's a little bit of light, it can still see. So... Yeah, that, that doesn't really make sense, guys. You probably should have left that out. Yeah, I was, I was like, guessing, like, kind of groping in the darkness with this, but I was telling you off air that the fact that this is an Irish film and we're dealing with a presumably, like, a, a supernatural kind of creature, mm-hmm. um, potentially a fae, like, in the, ho- in the hollow, um, 
that might create some like lost in translation um, yeah. because you and I are both American and probably not super up on our uh, Irish mythology and the folklore. <laughs> and, no. Yeah. Um, and so we've got I, like, I, we, we've got Bigfoot. Uh, the, I mean, I'm going to claim El Chupacabra uh, just because we have a, <laughs> a, a large Hispanic population. And then uh, we got the Salem witch trials, which definitely did happen. But I think witch witches are our big thing. Like, I think that's the, the thing that we do. Yeah. East coast was, definitely big on witches and whatnot and the jersey devil that's a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> you could have named it anything else but the jersey it, it loses all <laughs> the, yeah it's not menacing at all as soon as you say the jersey devil I'm like god damn it the joysy devil joysy devil the joysy devil, <laughs> the joysy devil. <laughs> um but yeah, uh, it it could be that there's certain details about this creature, like um, where it comes from, uh, which is introduced to it in the beginning of the movie. Um, like, yeah, its source of origin, its behavior, its intentions, all that could be just something that if you're Irish, maybe you know. Um, but us as Americans, it's like, I don't know. It, it showed up and it, it, I don't even know if it wants to eat these people. Um, it seems more intent on scratching people and biting them than actually consuming them. So yeah. I don't really even know what it wants. It's just, it's really tenacious sometimes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a zombie Nosferatu orc is what I, is what I've, the best way to describe it. Describe Absolutely. It. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> That's actually very accurate for anyone who's seen a picture of this thing. Yes, Kyle is correct. <laughs> yeah, but that's also what kind of got me is I'm like, dude, the silhouette of it. I'm like, that's creepy. I'm like, I could see that that uh, I could see that actually making playing. I'm like, okay, yeah, I could be freaked out by that a little bit. You know what takes away from that, Kyle is is seeing that at a distance and doing like the Dracula walk on on roller skates, mm-hmm. <laughs> like like floating towards you at a distance or something. That's scary. Yeah, in like a castle or something. That's scary. What's not scary is that in the living room, kind of like slowly shambling towards you, mm-hmm. and then you run up the stairs and it doesn't follow you. Yeah, that's not <laughs> like that's not scary at all. That's um, that's a trailer shot. Um, I could see I could see you seeing the trailer and seeing it. It's striking that that classic Nosferatu pose with the the wrist turned out. I could totally see that like playing to a trailer or something. But when you see it in motion in the movie, yeah, mm, it's like. Are you gonna do something about it? Because yeah, <laughs> I could kick you in the balls from here. <laughs> like your hands are in the wrong spot, sir. <laughs> yeah, face forward, uh, hands back. That's how you want to get into a fight, too. <laughs> Little did they know, uh, from the dark was secretly Roy Jones. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, Kyle, you want to get to it? Yeah, we can kind of jump into it. I, I, it's gonna be hard to go front to back. Uh, on this one just like going straight through just I, it's it's a really simple premise which i appreciated um a couple get lost uh in the irish backwoods and end up coming across a creature that was resurrected um but yeah we, we jump into it we're just it's like ireland and we get credits uh what movie am i thinking there's movies i've seen this before we get like um opening somebody doing something and then cut to credit opening credit I, no, it's um Basically, you have um, somebody doing something mundane, yeah. and then snap to a black slide with like some credits, and yeah. then snap back to the guy doing the mundane thing. Actually, um, I've showed you a lot of YouTube clips of this. Remember, um, we actually did a review of one of his movies, um, Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Mamoru Oshii. Um, one of his uh, 
one of his things that he I don't know if he still does it but back in the day in the 90s uh, this was this was his title sequence format where he'd show um, the ins and outs of something that normally would be kind of like mundane like uh, the Pat Labor movies was a, a training exercise like a computer simulation and it would cut from somebody running the simulation to slide with mm-hmm. credits and then same with Ghost in the Shell where we see the manufacturing of an android and then slide that's what i'm thinking credits. of is Ghost it's in the a Shell. it's a rhythmic thing that it's actually very effective and i i did like this opening it got my it got my hopes up mm-hmm. unfortunately <laughs> because i was i was kind of getting engaged and then about like you said about halfway through i just kind of was like yeah. i don't care anymore <laughs> it, it pulls you in but it definitely lets you go it's like you're on imdb before you know it you're like oh shit there's still more movie i was talking to steph while she was watching house hunters and i was finishing i was streaming this last night in their living room uh and then it just like a half hour left it's like yeah i don't want to stream anymore shutter's like no nah, i don't want to work anymore <laughs> um, so I had to finish it this morning, and even like while I'm like taking notes and watching it, I'm like also watching House Hunters. I'm like they should not go with them. They're going to go with the third one. Oh my god, I can't believe they're going to go with the third house. That's so stupid. Oh, what's she doing? Candles. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm glad you found a way to keep your uh, house porn habit up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you'll you'll have an opportunity to get back to it soon. Hopefully. Yeah. Soon. Um, but it, it this movie was directed by a gentleman by the name of Connor McMahon. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Mr. McMahon to you. Yes. Um, but uh, it's funny you mentioned the credits uh, because I do not think they're featured in the opening credits of this movie. But Kyle, um, perhaps you'll agree with me. Um, the true star of this film that should have got top billing, absolutely, without a doubt, was the focus puller Joshua Bork. <laughs> Joshua Bork. Yes, the legendary Joshua Bork, focus puller from Ireland. Uh, so I sat through the first minute. The credits for this movie are probably 90 seconds long, but um, mm-hmm. I sat through about a minute of the credits of this movie just because I knew exactly who I was looking for. I was like, who the fuck did the focus pulling in this movie? <laughs> and I waited. I found the credit. It is Jason Bork, uh, Joshua Bork, rather. Um, the reason I bring that up is because the cinematography in this in this movie is maddening <laughs> absolutely maddening <laughs> it was driving me nuts kyle I, I i don't think i've ever been so angry just looking at a movie before in my life mm. like, well, what, what about it re- remember when uh remember when the born movies started getting rolling when paul greengrass uh the born supremacy oh. i think was the one that uh the straw that broke the camel's back where that handheld and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah rapid rapid fire editing like verite handheld camera work mm-hmm. like i remember reading like seattle times articles like reviews of the movie and they were like complaining of motion sickness and across the board it seemed like a lot of people could agree with that i'm fine with the cinematography of paul paul greengrass's filmography especially the born movies i think they look fine it doesn't bother me i can sit back i can watch them i can enjoy them this though fuck dude <laughs> they do this thing where the camera is constantly going like in and out of focus and like almost every shot has something in the foreground in like perfect clear focus with something obscured in the background moving around almost every shot of the couple in fact mm-hmm. is like girls in clear focus guys not guys in clear focus girls not i don't know how many times the monster creeps in obscured over mm-hmm. the girls right 
no, no, over her left shoulder, but in the top right corner of the frame. Mm-hmm. That's like his cozy go-to place. Like, yeah. I don't know how many fucking times we get a close-up of this very attractive woman, and then this monster guy is just kind of like all fuzzy and like blurry because we can only focus on one thing at a time. But yeah, the the focus in this movie is just like it's like yeah. oh my god, just fucking lay off, mm. <laughs> like give it, it a rest. Be, it would be effective if it was like two times. If you did the creature out of focus like two times, it would have worked totally fine. But no, they're like oh no no no. Every shot where you see her, it's like okay, he's gonna pop up there. Up oh, there he is again. Up oh, there he is again. Yeah. No, like five, six times. It's it's ridiculous. And it doesn't help that, you know, shooting in low-light conditions does not make your movie look handsome. No. Like, it does not. Like, especially if you're not working with good equipment, which I know for a fact these guys weren't because <laughs> they couldn't afford it. Um, so, yeah, this movie clearly had a lot of thought and consideration put into its look, for sure. But it, I'm sorry. It just does not agree with me. It's like hot chili or something. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like, you know, I'm sure it'll be good for, for Bubba over there. Not me. <laughs> like, it, it, it does not sit well with me. Um, but, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to completely front load this fucking episode. <laughs> Clearly, we don't want to talk about the movie. But, yeah. um, Kyle, subgenre. Uh, tell me if this exists or not, or if you have any movies that come to mind. Uh, couples horror. Uh, couples I, feel, horror. I feel like in the, from, like, the 2010s onward, we've gotten a, we've gotten a handful of these. Like, um, movies, I think it's... It's just an effective way to do a horror movie um, instead of it being a group of guys or a group of girls that get terrorized. Uh, I think maybe the the thing in like the 70s and 80s were uh, get rid of the guys quick and then we're going to really go to work on the women. Uh, so if you think like, like slashers, it's like the dudes get taken out pretty quick and there's usually just one girl left. Um, and then like I think the torture, the torture genre kind of... Uh, kind of split the difference on that. We like uh, Eli Roth uh, intentionally made um, Hostel One, where it's all men getting uh, getting tortured. And then I think the second one, it's all women, and there was backlash. But I think it just makes it more well rounded, and you're able for you get both um, men and women to watch it, and you're able to let both of them engage, basically, uh, as opposed to just being a weird dude watching women get tortured. Uh, You've got a little bit of both, where we have them throughout the film. Um, I think that might be what has to do with it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with everything you're saying. But the reason I throw it out there is just because I, I feel like this is something you should keep in the back of your mind. Because I, I want to say this is like an emerging genre. Um, that it's it's like a subgenre within a subgenre. It's very tiny, but it's something that I feel like, because horror is rapidly becoming more mainstream especially with all these uh, elevated horror movies and whatnot, mm-hmm. the, the Midsummers and the Hereditaries and the, the, the Viviches <laughs> of the world, um, more and more people are coming to horror. And like you said, it's to your benefit to give everyone a reason to come to it, not just like bloodthirsty dudes or bloodthirsty gals, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, get both of them at the same time. Um, but like examples of what I'm, what I'm kind of poking at here is, well, this movie... Um, the entire script is centered around, around the idea of a couple mm-hmm. um, dealing with a problem while they have their own problems in some ways, I guess. Um, but then also, like, what, a couple of years ago you had The Quiet Place, mm-hmm. um, which is apparently about a family, um, a, a couple, and it, it was massively successful. And it's, it has a sequel that uh, got uh, affected by the covid mm-hmm. um, So that's due out whenever it's going to be able to come out. 
Um, and then not only that, uh, also an Irish horror movie, The Hallow, that mm. you and I covered previously. That's also primarily about a family, like a couple. The Strangers. Um, the Strangers, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I guess, uh, maybe more adults are watching it, and you have to have more of an adult relationship as opposed to kids just watching it. Uh, because, yeah, that's what you can do with... That was the thing with slasher movies. It's like, all right, have some titties. Uh, have some violence and they're gonna love it it's gonna be great <laughs> but now it's like well we're a little more older and sophisticated we'd like a good horror movie like well let's set it in a, a house in a rural area and just have people with burlap sacks terrorizing this family until sunup yeah <laughs> it, it's a little more menacing it's like I only need one pair of titties in my life thank you very much <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> Um, so yeah, on that note, I guess we should finally, finally yeah. get to the movie. Um, so like, like Kyle had mentioned, um, the opening sequence of this movie has a, a rhythm to the way it's edited where we're cutting back and forth between, um, an old man in, a, was it County Offland in, in Ireland? We get an on-screen title ter- telling us where we are, but, um, he's digging and he's putting what look like mud bricks um, th- whatever this is, it's kind of cool. Looking. Yeah, I don't. It's know. some sort. It's some sort of land, like just like natural land formation that you you cut into it, and it's extraordinarily solid. Like it's basically clay. Yeah. And it, in fact, it might just be clay from the ground. But he's he's making pyres of some sort. Like like they look like little like conical pyramids. Well, those are two different things. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it looks like giant pine cone he's he's like they're long rectangle bricks and it looks like giant pine cones basically uh at the end of the film we we get we get to see it all in its entirety Uh, did they actually do this or is there a little bit of cgi magic here Uh, that looked like they actually did that right Um, i want to say this was probably just a thing that they do in the countryside maybe Mm -hmm. maybe he literally is making bricks i think he's just Um, making bricks because he is setting fires and he's he's heating them and whatnot um Folks, what this looks like is a man that is playing like a thousand games of four-dimensional Jenga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, yeah, we're cutting back and forth between the credits and him digging these bricks up and putting them in carts, and he's making stacks of them. Um, and he, not a whole lot happens here. There's no dialogue until like ten minutes in, so not even a word from this fella. Um, but he finds a spike in the mud. Yeah. It looks almost like a railroad spike or a, a like a stake that you would use to kill Count Dracula. Yeah, um, that's what. And then we get we get a shot from underground looking up because he's digging around where he found the spike, and we see. Um, so this is a POV shot looking from underground, looking up at his face, um, and he finds a very evil-looking hand with a rope around its wrist. And again, this could be an Irish like colloquialism, uh, the significance of it having ropes bound around its wrists. Maybe that's a thing in Irish folklore. I have no idea. None of it's explained to us in this movie. Um, but he crosses himself, um, so he does see the hand. And yeah. But he goes back to work. I want to say. <laughs> no, he runs back to the he runs back to the tractor to get uh, to get a flashlight, and then he goes back over there, and it's gone because uh, the the ground starts to move, um, which is, which is oh, pretty cool. I'm like, okay, the ground's moving. Uh, I don't know what this is. I'm like, you get strong vampire vibes the whole time. That's just what I got. I'm like, okay, this seems like a vampire. 
um but well, yeah yeah it, i mean he's about to get a couple of puncture wounds in his neck yeah <laughs> um yeah so i could see where the vampire thing comes in but um small critique um the part when it starts to push up from under the ground mm, this is this is a, a budget related thing or maybe just like a continuity related thing um we get a close-up of the ground as he's running off and his foot hits the grass and the grass bounces Hmm. Almost as if there's like a board or something just under the grass. Weird. So, like, so like maybe an actor is hidden under a compartment under the grass so they can push up from it. Mm. But like it just like go, you almost expect to hear a clack when he steps on the ground. <laughs> it's just a small thing, but um, but yeah, the sun is going down at this point, and he goes for his flashlight, and uh, he keeps hearing a rustling in the distance, so he's somewhat distracted. Um, and then we get our first scare of the movie, which is, of course, a jump scare. Um, and he gets dragged into like a, a bog. It's a put, like yeah. a bog or a puddle or some sort. It's pretty deep, though. But he gets dragged into the water. And uh, this is where the, the score kind of kicks in, um, which is customary when you're doing jump scares and whatnot. That's another way to hit your audience in their, uh, in their instincts. Um, and it was bugging me a little bit because it's going for like a like an orchestral kind of flavor but i don't know i don't think any instruments were actually involved in the production of the music for this movie i want to say it was entirely a synthesizer score but that's not the sound they were going for and it it it, i hate to say it like i really hate to rag on a movie for its budget and whatnot but it comes across as a little bit chintzy Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, it's just my opinion but um, he drags himself up from the water, though, so he, he gets out, which is kind of a surprise to me. Like, I, I come from a world of monster movies where you get dragged in the water, you don't come out. <laughs> like, like, that's the end of you. Um, I remember uh, you you haven't seen uh, Rodan, uh, right? No. Um, it's a, from 1956, um, made by Toho, so the same people who made Godzilla and whatnot. I think it was their first color movie. Um, the opening... The opening like 20 30 minutes of that movie have more in common with them than than like a giant monster movie like like a godzilla kind of movie hmm. um because it all takes place in a mine and it was the most engrossing fucking monster movie I'd, I'd ever seen at that point in my life i love the mine sequences in that movie it's a it's tremendous when you're a kid hmm. um and the cinematography in the mine is great but there's these sequences where people get dragged into the water to their doom in, in, in the mind portions of that movie. And, like, in my mind, that's how you do it. Somebody gets dragged under the water, and they bubbles come up, and then they stop. And that's that's the end of that person. But no! He pops up from the water, and uh, this is where we get a really badly framed close-up of his neck. Because he's, like, kind of, like, he's in the shot but his neck is like way off to the left of the frame. It's just kind of like you have to like crane your neck over to see what the camera's supposed to be pointing, like putting front and center. Yeah. He has holes in his neck. Yeah. It's like, oh, but I have to search for it. And then you cut away from it. But yeah, uh, he has puncture wounds in his neck. Title from the dark. Um, and then we get an earlier in the day. And uh, this is where we're introduced to our couple. Is this, uh, is this Mark and Sarah? Yeah, Mark and Sarah. That's the couple. Um, well, I'm calling the guy and the girl probably, but yeah, Mark and Sarah. In my notes, they're basically dude and gal. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's ugly as shit. She's pretty hot, and uh, the 
she mentioned something about it looks so short. I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about? She's talking about his haircut, basically. Uh, they're having a conversation um, with Irish accents, so it's kind of hard to follow. There, uh, she's talking about like, you, you got your haircut. You only you're going out to the country. You got your haircut. Well, that's people usually propose with something like that. Like she's kind of a ball buster, and you can kind of tell like there's a little bit of tension between the two of them. Like this is like a like a getaway or something like that. And marriage has definitely been on the table. Like it's been discussed. And he's just like, why would I get married? It's like being in prison. I don't want to be married. Something like that. Maybe he's trying to throw her off the trail or whatever. But they're doing, they're going to some kind of um, like weekend getaway. I don't know, but they're gonna get lost. Spoiler alert. Um, so while you <laughs> while you while you were talking there, I was doing a little bit of research on this county. It's uh, Offaly County, uh, and apparently it is old as fuck. Like this, like crazy old. Um, there's some uh, a castle or two. I think Barack Obama lived here for a little bit. Um, but there is something called the Burra Bog, which is crazy old, apparently. Uh, it was used for harvesting fuel in like, the 1950s and 70s, but now it's like it, they've given it back for like uh, uh, Irish wildlife. Um, but yeah, I think maybe that's why it's specific. Maybe they're... Maybe it has something to do with the bog. Like, this is a creature from the bog. And I was trying to see if there was some kind of folklore having to do with the bog. I'm assuming there is. Well, I'm just going to assume that there's something, some kind of local tale about some kind of monster in the bog. Because uh, that's where it, for some reason, goes back to and keeps coming from. Yeah. Yeah, we, we find our way back here maybe two more times in this movie. Um, in, yeah. the, the geography of this movie is all sorts of fucked. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, now they're starting to argue. She's like, the GPS is telling us to turn around, and he's like, I know where I'm going, and uh, they get lost, and they're uh, they get they get stuck in some mud, I guess, on like a little a little back yeah, road. Yeah, the the road we come to a crossroads, mm. um, and uh, yeah, uh, before we get to the crossroads, though, just a couple of notes that need to be thrown out there. We do have a discussion about marriage, and yeah. and he he relates getting legally married to that of like a slavery situation yeah like, slavery <laughs> prison, yeah. Uh, not really but okay no, no not at all actually <laughs> um but yeah there's a lot of oi tinks and a lot of references to hair coots mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um but yeah the, the point is we're, we're a couple and uh we've been together long enough that marriage is something to talk about but he's hesitant for some reason um also, uh, this is where I got my first red flag about the cinematography of this movie, um, because this entire uh, car talk sequence, um, the way it's shot is it's it's basically shot um, from each of the passenger, like the passenger and the driver's side window. So it's across both people. Um, and so we have one face in the foreground, one face in the background. Um, and you can tell that the framing's too tight because like the person in the foreground not their entire head is in the shot and both of them are actually slightly blurry and i want to say this was actually like a logistical problem like maybe setting up the camera rig like they didn't have enough room to work with or they didn't have a good enough rig to like put the camera exactly where it needed to be um it just looks weird um it bothered me and it i hate to say it, it looks a little bit cheap <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um but yeah we we come to this crossroads and uh like you said, uh, the gal, uh, she is a bit of a ball buster. However, um, we also learned that she is probably a local because um, mm. she's talking about like countryside uh, etiquette, like yeah. how you say hello to people and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. One finger up from the steering wheel, um, whereas he's like waving hello and stuff. Um, 
So what we're supposed to get from that, I think, um, is that he's a city boy and she's a country gal, and uh, she wears the pants um, when it comes to like real life kind of like hard work and whatnot. Um, um, but they come to this crossroads, and it just so happens they were in an argument just before that, and so without any sort of deliberation, he just goes, "Yeah, we're going right." <laughs> like mm-hmm. no words are exchanged, he just goes right. So it could be that he made that choice because maybe he felt his manhood challenged in some way. Oh, no, I've been in these situations before where you're arguing about close to nothing. Uh, and you're just like, I don't fucking care anymore. I'm just going to go this way. I'm like, well, why? I don't care. I'm just going this way. And it's, it's, you're just, you're just agitated. And I'm like, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm stuck in this car with you now. Can we just stop talking? I understand this. <laughs> couples counseling with Kyle. we can't that's the one thing my, my partner and i like we're good up until we have to drive somewhere if we are in the car for longer than 30 minutes like it, i don't know what it, adults should not drive with other adults like it, everybody's got their way of driving everybody who's driving is aware of what they're doing yet the person in the passenger seat because they have no control over what's happening feel the need to chime in so like just everybody everybody be quiet in the car <laughs> Wow, I feel like I just learned a lot about you, Kyle. <laughs> oh no, I've when I'm in the passenger seat with some of my friends, like I've got like hand on the handle. Like, I, just, I've like, driven oh, you around, oh, Kyle. I've seen what fine. I've seen what it looks. You're, you're fine. I have a couple of friends I've got in mind. I'm like, well, I have one friend in particular. I'm like, God damn it, I have to ride with him. I don't know how we're not gonna die. Like every time we get in the car with him, <laughs> I'll, no, dude, I'll just take a lift. I'll take a lift. It's fine. <laughs> we're going to the same place why wouldn't you just ride with me i'll take a lift <laughs> uh, i just uh i watched ford versus ferrari a couple weeks ago and the scene where uh mr ford goes on a, a test drive with matt damon is pretty spectacular uh, whoever that actor is i don't know who he is but he plays like an ornery old white executive really well like he he's on the level of mr lebowski like, mm. <laughs> he's pretty great but anyway uh yeah uh the road gets bumpy after we take this uh, ill-advised right turn. And uh, it, uh, this is like salt on the wound. Because like the road is getting bumpy. And she's like, maybe we should turn, ba- turn back. And, <laughs> yeah. and then two seconds later, they fall into like a ditch, basically. And the wheels get stuck. And it's like, oh, if she's one of those people, she could totally say, I told you so right yeah. now. <laughs> but thankfully, she's not. Um and this is also where the budget creeped up again and uh, shot this movie in its other foot um, <laughs> because uh, he gets out and he's like, okay, I'm going to push and uh, you you hit the gas and we're going to try to dislodge this vehicle and get back on the road. When he goes out to the front of the vehicle, Kyle, I want to say, I want to say this is a Mercedes they're driving. Mm-hmm. There is no Mercedes symbol because oh, it's, yeah. been yank- it's been yanked out. Yeah, you they, couldn't, they couldn't afford the licensing fee. Yeah, of course not. Uh, but you, but it's there's a hole <laughs> in the hood of the car where the where the Mercedes symbol. No, used it was to be. actually uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan's character from Mrs. Doubtfire sold it to them, and uh, this is when uh, he uh, he yanked the emblem out. It's off, the, it's off, the, it's off of my Mercedes. And like, oh, do you own that big expensive car out there? It yeah, was a run even, by fruiting. It was a run by fruiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's pushing the car and he eats shit. And it, I had a good laugh at this. Like it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, because he, 
Actually, that's that's one thing that I will praise about this movie. Uh, the two these two actors um together. Not so much alone, but mm-hmm. together they they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like I thought they both showed up to play and they they did good with the material they had. Um we'll we'll get to later on when when we're dealing with just one person. But, yeah. Um you and I probably both have thoughts on that. But I thought like the couples moments in this movies were actually very naturalistic and yeah. pretty well done yeah they, they had good chemistry for this for this kind of movie uh halfway through it, it kind of goes out the window <laughs> yes absolutely um but yeah they try it because we're two young people in the modern age uh, we both whip out our phones uh there is no signal she actually tries to call her dad um, which again points to the fact that she's probably a local and her dad's actually probably living not i fucking hell what are you calling your dad for don't call him no, it's not dad, it's da. Uh, da. <laughs> da. <laughs> Don't call your da, fuck. Don't call your da. Um, but yeah, his plan, again, without deliberation. So he just puts his foot down. He says, this is what we're doing. Um, he's like, I'm going to get help, and you're going to stick with the car. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've heard ghost stories about this same premise, dude. Uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, he uh, he is gonna go. He's gonna go find uh, some house. Or he's just gonna try to find somebody to get help. Um, at really dangerous because I, I know how it is in the U.S. Like you just start like creeping onto people's property out of nowhere. Like you get shot for that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how it is in Ireland, but I would be pretty cautious about uh, what he does next. Yeah, he finds a uh, a huge red flag of a place. Uh, he finds like a dark. Uh, it almost looks abandoned at first, um, like a dark house, but there is a tire pile up outside this uh, place. And he, uh, before he gets to the house, he's walking through where we were in the beginning. Uh, he's walking through that area. So we're like, oh, I wonder where they're at. Just hint. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then he just kind of like, he's knocking on the door and he just kind of lets himself in to find out what's happening. Um, and we're kind of cutting, we kind of cut back and forth a little bit between him going to the house and her in the car by herself yeah she's in the car by herself and uh we see someone or something moving around in the rear windshield when she's in the car and it's again it's totally out of focus so we just see a shape essentially i thought it was going to be the guy they passed walking so when they're doing the waving to uh the you know everybody in the rural area they pass a guy who doesn't wave back and we get it like a a close-up on him so we actually see who the person is. I'm like, well, that guy's going to come back later. So when she's sitting in the car and we see somebody move in the background, I'm like, oh, that's that guy. It's just that that the guy that was walking. It's not. Yeah, I was totally expecting like a, a false jump scare or something where he literally just shows up and knocks on the window and he's like, you all right or something? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, it's just a shape in the rear windshield. You either see it or you don't. Um, there's no music to back it up. So it's, again, yeah, I could actually totally see someone just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... Um, she uses the electronic mirrors on the car to try to take a peek because she apparently has spider sense. Um, and uh, she gets out and uh, she heads out to the trunk and she puts on her white jacket. So she's in all white. Um, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> um, I was like, nice outfit. Uh, it looks like you stole it from uh, Wu Jing from uh, SPL, oh. the, guy, the knife fight guy yeah. in uh, SPL. Um, and uh, yeah, she gets some cigarettes and. Uh, yeah, she uh, pops a squat in the trunk and just has a has a long drag on a cigarette, and we smoke in the trunk. Um, and yeah, uh, there's something a creature in the yeah. yeah, there's something yeah. there. Again, it's totally out of focus. We can't really see it. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, the dude, we cut back to him. And uh, it needs to be said, this house, uh, this homestead or whatever the fuck it is, um, it has motion tracker lights on virtually every side of it. Mm-hmm. And see, I thought this was going to be a plot development thing. Like, I thought in a different movie, there would be a source of exposition or something. There would be someone that would explain what we're dealing with or whatever. And it's it's up in the air whether or not that would be a good thing or a bad thing to this movie. Sometimes I appreciate that. Sometimes it comes across as really, really clunky. Um, but what I thought was going to be the case was this was like a local problem or something where it's like, you know, we don't go out at night here or something because why else would this house have floodlights on all sides of it? Um, and it doesn't play into things at all. It's just it's just a, a gimmick um, for fighting off the creature later on in the movie. Um but yeah, uh, he bangs around the house and he heads around back, um, and he just, like you said, he helps himself inside the house. He just opens the door and says hello a whole bunch, and we get a, a nice voyeuristic tracking shot, just kind of like following him inside the home. It's not very well kept, but clearly someone's some of living it is, here. Some of it is well kept, some of it is not. Like, there are rooms that are okay, and there are rooms that are not okay. It's really strange, because there's no... There's not really any continuity. It's like it's kind of kept up, but kind of not. It's like part Buffalo Bill, part uh, uh, Leatherface. Like it's the it's like those two different houses just kind of mesh together. Well, his and hers rooms. I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the uh, the main living room, like the entryway that he comes into, made me think of that uh, With Noel and I movie that you made mm, me watch. Yeah. Um, just a little when they go to the countryside, you know. I, I want to watch that movie again. I don't know what it is about that movie. It's just it's it's a it's a weird fun time, but also kind of sad at the same time. It's it's kind of entrancing in a way. Like it, you get really sucked up into the into the drama of it just because the char- the performances, mm-hmm. like not even the characters, just watching these actors do their thing is just really entertaining. <laughs> With Noel reminds me so much of one of our our former coworkers. She just has the bitchiness of it. <laughs> Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. And yeah, you were not wrong at all. <laughs> I think that's why I had you watch it. Like, you got to watch this movie. One, it's watchable. Two, this guy reminds me so much of him. Actually, yeah, I think that was the, the text that came with it. Just like, Trevor, you have to watch this also. <laughs> but it was also free. It was broken up into like two 45-minute videos, and it was for free online. I'm like, you can handle that. <laughs> you didn't pay for it. Yeah, it's also part of the Criterion Collection. So yes, it is. That 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 alone should be a selling point for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, uh, he goes through this house, and like I said, it's this long tracking shot, just shot from behind him as he's just kind of wandering around, yelling hello. And then he turns around, but looking back at the entryway, and uh, there is a man standing in the, in the entryway, like in the living room, essentially. He's looking outside, so with his back to the camera. Um, and they're breathing heavily, and they're covered in grime, and there's like a drone on the score, and uh, turns out this is the old man from the opening. So I guess we've caught up in time with the opening of the movie, um, and presumably he has returned home. Um, however, he is like delirious and not really able to communicate verbally, mm-hmm. and he's also really fidgety when uh, when our, our guy, Mark, um, actually tries to like help him over to a, a table and like clean is he his, sh- his neck wound he's shining a light on him isn't he uh to try to see the wound could be 
Uh, okay. I didn't really notice, but uh, he's kind of like fighting him a little bit. I thought maybe, I, now that I'm thinking back to him, he might have had a light on him, which is why he might have been more fidgety. I mean, if I got bitten on the neck and somebody was trying to mess with me, like, would you just fucking stop? Like, it really hurts. But maybe it was the light that was doing it. Yeah, it could be. Um, we're we're going to have to get into that um, as we go along. Yeah. Just, the, just the, the nature of how this thing... Yeah, it's in, a problem. Because uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make honest. any sense. <laughs> um, but it's an element that's actually key to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we go back to the gal, and she's getting antsy. She puts the headlights on the car. And we get a really silly fucking jump scare here. where She puts on the headlights, and then she walks out in front of the car. And then we get a jump scare where Mark, her, her guy... Just like steps in from the left of the frame and says, Sarah! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, how did you not see him? <laughs> like, yeah, he just walked up to you. <laughs> the distance from the car was also a little confusing because we kind of lose. I'm like, it seemed like he was gone for like, like he was gonna go for like a good 15 minute walk. And it's dark out now, like really dark. But it could have been a little less time. It might have just been a hop, skip, and a jump, like over, like maybe as soon as you get up on the hill, you can see the house. I don't know. Um, but it, it was kind of ill-defined. But yeah, he gets over there. Uh, he picks her up, and he's like, he's not really telling her anything, which she, of course, is a little frustrated. He's like, yeah, uh, I found a guy, but he needs our help. She's like, well, what the fuck do you mean? Like, we need help. <laughs> and he's like, well, he needs our help. And she's like, well, what's wrong? And he's not giving her any information. He's just like, he has an injury. And so, yeah, let's just walk over there. Uh, like, Jesus, okay. Um yeah, uh, it, it was very awkward because, like you said, they they have a problem of their own, but um, he keeps things very vague, and he's very insistent that they go back to the house for some reason. Um, and this is where I noticed she's a little bit taller than him, mm-hmm. um, and I, I kind of appreciate that because it actually works with the character dynamics very well. Um, but um, we have a, f- a fun couples moment here where it's, it's a shot pulled way back as we're heading to the homestead, and uh, he pauses for a second just to, like, do the do the thing where you scare your gal like, yeah wait a second yeah. <laughs> and she's like you fucker <laughs> fucker um we also get another little bit of a character development here where uh, we're hopping the fence to get into the homestead and she does not accept his outstretched hand to help her down she is a strong independent woman mm-hmm. she doesn't need no man um and uh yeah the lights in the house are no longer working and the old man is gone um, so I don't know how long it took them to get there. Like you said, it's it's a little up in the air. But uh, the place is a mess. And uh, we get a moment here where we're in the house together. And uh, we see a figure approaching our gal uh, from behind. And again, it's totally out of focus. We can't really see it. And uh, by the time she turns around, it is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so something is definitely creeping around them. Um, and we get another jump scare as uh, we find a staircase in the like kind of in the middle of the house um, that's going to play into the plot quite a bit um mostly the, toward- this movie is the staircase it's like we're going to fuck around near the staircase with a lamp that's the isn't, majority of the movie isn't that the name of a documentary or something staircase yeah uh it's a true crime docu series on Netflix i did not finish um yeah a guy was accused of murdering his wife like uh bludgeoning her to death uh, I didn't finish it, uh, but like all all signs led to like yeah he probably did it, but the like there was no evidence to say that he didn't do it. It's like it, it was a it's one of those crazy um, situations. The theory is is that um, there was like uh, like lacerations on her head and that, that she had been hit like multiple times. They think an owl got into the house 
and attacked her and she fell down the staircase. It's it's a crazy doc- documentary. Um, I'd like to revisit it because uh, I, I want to finish it. But yeah, the stair- staircase is what it's called. Yeah, see, Kyle, I don't need to watch any of these true crime documentaries mm. because... You're missing out. Just by listening to podcasts about anything, um, people start to run short on material and they just tell me about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah. So I can be listening to a sports podcast and all of a sudden, true crime. But there's more. Why not? There's definitely more to the story than that. I, I'm sure, but it's it's just obnoxious how how many how many of these series get spoiled for me. Where it's just like, man, do you guys really have nothing better to talk about than the the new true crime documentary? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not that there's nothing new to talk about. It's that they are genius in how they present their information, how they present the story. It's that's what makes it so good. Sucks you in. Sucks you in. <laughs> My brother watched Twister yesterday, by the way. Oh, <laughs> the suck zone. It's, this is the time of year to be doing it. I think, I, I think I've think i watched it already this year once, but I think I'm due for it again. <laughs> As Kyle's saying this, by the way, he's looking out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, eh, those clouds look like it's time for Twister. <laughs> Going green. <laughs> ah, good times. Um, but yeah, we get this jump scare as we approach the staircase. And uh, something growls and crosses us. Like it crosses in front of the frame, um, and it's it's totally lit in such a way that we can't really see it. But obviously, it's the shape of a human, and we follow it upstairs. It's like, oh, I would get a pointy object or like something to whack with. Yeah. Just before before I go after anything that growls. <laughs> well, she is freaked out. He is he's still in help mode. Like we got to help this guy, so he's not yeah. listening to her. Yeah, we we head up the stairs, and um, as has been the case in pretty much all the logistical, uh, <laughs> all the logistical actions we've taken um, in this movie, um, he heads up the stairs, and he's like, "Yeah, we got to help him." Blah blah blah. He he's wounded or whatever. Um, and the camera lingers on some mud that is on the banister, um, and oof, that is an old computer, is what my note says. Yeah, I thought he was gonna turn it on. I'm like, that, that thing's not gonna turn on. <laughs> I mean, what we're talking about is like an, an a beige a beige box basically. Yeah. <laughs> this is before um, ninety five kind of computer. Yeah, this this was probably manufactured in off white, um, but due to the passage of time, it has turned into that Super Nintendo Super Nintendo like piss yellow. Um, something about the plastic of Super Nintendos certain certain models mm-hmm. turn piss yellow. Yeah. Um, after a certain number of years, but. Um, yeah, uh, we turn on a lamp, though, uh, by the computer, which is... I actually was right there with you. I thought he was turning on the computer, but no, he's turning on a lamp. Um, a very, very, very powerful lamp, by the yeah. way. <laughs> um, and uh, we actually get a legit kind of neat scare here, um, where we get a shot uh, of Sarah, and she's, like, watching Mark fiddle around with this lamp. And uh, there's a figure standing behind her that this time is actually in focus um and we do some sort of in-camera trick like it didn't look like an edit or something but uh the light flicks on and off and the thing disappears Mm -hmm. in in time with the light turning on and off um it was actually kind of effective i was like oh that was a thing (laughs) like nothing happened but like it looked kind of cool it was kind of doing uh is it a insidious that has the darth maul face yeah kind of similar to that but not nearly as effective mm-hmm. um they um, had that in the trailer and when you see it in the movie it still gets you 
that's how yeah, good that I was in Insidious. That. I remember both you and I were talking about how, like, wouldn't it be super awesome if that wasn't in the trailer, though? Dude, if that had not been in the trailer, I might not have watched it. I don't know. There was something about there was something about that scene in particular. It was like, fuck, that's good. I gotta watch that movie just for that yeah. scene. That was probably the debate with the marketing team, where it's like, we gotta sell this movie, but at the same time, it's like, but it's like the best fucking shot in the movie. <laughs> it's like, well, we gotta put asses in seats, man, and we don't have titties to work. <laughs> like... Patrick Wilson does not have that kind of pull yet. Yeah, no, not yet. But now he's making Aquaman money, so mm-hmm. <laughs> Patrick Wilson's on top of the world, and I'm all for it. I like Patrick Wilson. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the... Uh, we get a sequence where Mark charges after the thing that he he saw disappear before his eyes in time with the light. Um, okay, Mark. Um, and he heads back into this other room and a fold-out bed. What What's the name for a fold-out bed, Kyle? I forget the the thing. It's like a closet bed. I forget the name. Oh, Murphy the bed. There you go. It looks like a Murphy bed. Um, it falls out from the closet and it hits him. And then there's another closet nearby and the old man... Uh, jumps out and starts hissing and attacking Mark on the ground. Yeah, that's kind of the problem that uh, horror movies have is like sometimes there's a reason for the for the jump scare. Other times we're just doing it. Uh, this is kind of one of those times where it's just like we're just doing it. Like there's no reason for him to be pouncing around. Um, honestly, with what the creature wants, it doesn't make any sense. This thing would be like a zombie, like just trying to get after you. Um, yeah, it's just kind of stupid. Yeah, th- this is even where I was like, okay, let's bring the creature in because this is just the farmer roaming around. Um, yeah, the farmer he pounces and uh, he ends up being thrown out the window. Um, yeah, uh, he some sort of light shines on him. I think it was the lamp um, that Sarah brings into the room or something, and uh, she very quickly discerns that the light is bothering him. Um, and yeah, the the old man he uh, he hisses and he jumps out the window. Was this and the thing he, in the hollow as well? Was it was it a thing about lights as well? I pretty sure, yeah. Because um, uh, Bolton, uh, he from Game of Thrones, the guy with the the neighboring farm, he had lights blasted out on there. I think that was part of it. Is they were afraid of light as well. So maybe there is some kind of uh, like Irish folklore about creatures afraid of light. That that must be oh. something absolutely especially in the countryside like we actually some of the cinematography of just the landscapes in this movie actually look quite good mm-hmm. um, i will give it that much like, very when much we're tra- yeah. when we're traveling and when mark is walking alone from the car to the homestead there's some landscapes that actually look kind of cool uh, where we get to see like a tilled field and we get to see like the homestead at a distance where it's just like a couple of specks of light very far off in the distance and you know, imagine living, you know, in the like pre-industrial era or something. Imagine how pitch black that environment would be if you just had like a cottage mm-hmm. in a field. Like light would be your best friend and darkness would be your enemy. Um, so I could totally see folklore springing up from that. It's just you and I as Americans, it's like maybe there's certain things that seem really basic to like an Irish viewer. But to us, it's like very foreign and just like, well, why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Um and also, like, if, if this sh- stuff was, like, really something to worry about. I mean, I was working from the assumption that maybe this was an ongoing problem or something. It's not, um, especially given the, the old man's reaction to digging up the, the monster. Like, he kind of treats it pretty casually as it 
as in like he had no idea this was gonna spring to life and attack him um but anyway uh he jumps out the window and we do get to see his body laying on the ground um it's only like two stories up he'd be all right yeah he'd I've be fine that. i've i've done that i've done that like, as a kid I yeah no i i did that in college i had a roommate that i didn't want to fucking deal with so i jumped out the window <laughs> jesus <laughs> uh he thought i was conspiring to kill him oh wow we had yeah. one of those we definitely yeah. had one of those in our our house at one point kyle, wow kyle, what, what you know of me we we lived in a house with several other dudes but he thought i was conspiring to kill him <laughs> um i think that if you wanted to kill him he'd already be dead <laughs> you would have already pulled it off. <laughs> I was like, listen, dude, if I was conspiring to kill you, it would already be done. Uh, don't worry about that. Yeah, Our- he, was, he was in the process of moving out, and his mom was mean mugging me when I, I and I really had to pee. I was like, <laughs> fuck it, I'm not going out in the hallway. I'm jumping out the window. I'm going to walk to my friend's house, and I'm going to pee in his house. <laughs> we, Our roommate, uh, we knew from the Navy, and he moved in with us, and he believe he has schizophrenia runs in his family and we think uh, a head injury uh mixed with some uh, psychedelic drugs uh, wow uh may have triggered it because he completely changed once we started living with him uh and he couldn't hold down a job we had to pay his rent for a few months he thought that we were calling places he got fired a few times so he thought we were calling places with my other friend and i and telling them to fire him to make him not work there anymore uh and then we kicked him out and then he tried to break in. Like we put his stuff out on the on the porch, and left him a note like, "Hey, dude, you're out." And he took a shovel to the window, and we called the cops. Uh, yeah, we were. It was a scary night. Uh, we had to deal with that. But yeah, I've been there. I've been there with the crazy roommate. It's you, hey, folks moving to Seattle. Try not to get a Craigslist uh, <laughs> Craigslist hookup <laughs> when you're finding roommates in Seattle. You Gee. will find a crazy person. Wow, that is quite the combination. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we we head out to investigate this body. Um, there is some blood on the ground, so he's injured, um, but he's not there anymore. Um, and the motion tracker light goes on before we get outside, um, which I guess is supposed to tip us, the viewer, off to the fact that he got up and moved. Um, and then uh, we try to head back to the car, um, and we get a what I think is actually a CGI doctored sky. Because um, this moon looks a little too picturesque and a little yeah. bit float, a little bit floaty in that like special effects manufactured way, mm-hmm. um, and we get into the classic "we're lost" argument. Um, I don't know how many times you've gotten in this particular argument, Kyle, but this is not this is not a fun one. I don't like this one. No, I have actually haven't been in this one in particular. Um, it's more like I missed the exit. That's oh. What, yeah. Actually, yeah. Clarification: That's that's the one. <laughs> See, that's the one I've I've had a lot. <laughs> I've been in the passenger seat when they missed the exit. I'm like, it's not a big deal. Just gotta circle back. But if I'm driving, we missed the exit. You missed the exit. I'm like, we will get back to it. It's not a problem. It happens. Nope. Whole day's blown. Whole <laughs> can't, day can't is fix blown. It. Yeah, because you're blowing it. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, we we argue about being lost because we're trying to get back to the car. And uh, Mark, though, we get back to that bog area. So yeah. this is visit number two to the bog. Yeah. We, I, so I'm right. Three visits to the bog in one movie. I think we have to assume that this is some kind of blood-sucking creature that is based in the bog. Uh, at one point was captured by the townspeople and uh, buried alive and is now awake and going back to the bog. I mean, with the on-screen information that we have, that's the best that I can do. 
It, I mean, that's some good detective work. That's better than I could come up with. Um, but yeah, uh, Mark is yanked into the water. So, so <laughs> what, what you're telling me is this thing got out of the bog, um, has two v- potential victims wandering in the open in the in an open field, mm. and has the ability to move very quickly. Obviously, because it's able to keep up with them. So instead of intercepting them when they're on land, it decides, you know what would make me work a lot better and work a lot more efficiently? If I jumped into the water and got these rags I'm wearing soaking wet and to weigh me down, you know, because it'll help me move. It'll help me chase people. So it hops into the water and then it yanks him into the water. I don't think that it made it to the house. I think it was just the farmer that was roaming around the house. I think it woke up bit the farmer farmer went back to the house he's been in the bog the whole time so when they come past the bog getting lost going to their car they get its attention now it's on their trail okay that that makes sense but so it just decided to hang out in the bog it's i think it's it's uh it's where it's it's home base that's it's it's a bog dwelling creature and it it that's where it's that's where its strong suit is at. Like maybe that's it's it's healing water. Maybe the smelly water is what keeps it alive. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just saying, you know, if, if your prey is humans, generally humans are averse to heading into smelly bogs. Yeah, we ain't, we ain't <laughs> Genera- about that. Yeah, generally people stay away from them. But yeah, he gets yanked into the water, um, and this is where my notes started to get angry yeah. at the focus polar. Um, oh, I can but, see that. Um, because this attack sequence is unintelligible. Yeah, I, I I couldn't make out anything of what was happening. I didn't really like I didn't fixate on that, but it was kind of like it was in the back of my mind as something that was bothering me, but I just couldn't put my finger on. Like something about this, the way this is sequencing, I'm like, this is, I don't like this so much. This isn't very good, and I'm like, oh, this is just gonna be bad. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like that's that's the problem, very much. Yeah. Um, and just like the old man, uh, Mark manages to get free. Uh, Sarah pulls him out of the water, and uh, we run and we take cover behind a, a little hill in a bush. Mm-hmm. And this is where we kind of get a glimpse of the monster, and this actually looks pretty good. This is where I was like, okay, here we go. It's been not too bad so far. Let's introduce the creature. This is a good, I, this was effective for me. I'm like, okay, that's creepy. Good job. There are moments of goodness. This is one of them. Yeah, um, basically we get a shot from from their POV, so they're like laying flat against this hill, and it can't see them, and it's just kind of walking around elevated slightly above them in the grass, and uh, it's backlit by the moonlight, and he's doing the classic Nosferatu posture, mm-hmm. and it he has a good silhouette. Um, yeah. Again, taking a glimpse at the IMDb trivia, apparently uh, the director met the actor who portrays the creature at a party. <laughs> so he must have had like what that that uh doug bradley doug jones doug jones uh, doug jones Doug Jones. uh those are two different people but um i'll have to get bradley is pinhead i think um, okay doug jones though is the uh skinny tall guy that works with guillermo uh, mm-hmm. guillermo del toro quite a bit um he has that kind of body type i think and he was just like you know what would really make you more interesting on camera if we covered you in makeup and rags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, are you calling me ugly? It's like, Maybe. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we head back to the house, and Mark is injured. We don't know in what capacity just yet, but he's hobbling. Um, 
and we get a lot of glimpses as we're traveling back to the house of the creature um, just kind of like hiding in the corner of the frame um, and this was actually kind of interesting because it's like building this is where we're starting to piece together like what this thing's capabilities are yeah um, and one thing that we learn is uh, it has Jason Voorhees slash Michael My- Michael Myers powers wherein he never runs but somehow he's faster than you. Yes, very much. Um, which, you know, for a supernatural creature, I have no objection to that whatsoever. It's just um, when he chooses to be fast. Yes, very much. Is, it, it, it's kind of a coin toss. <laughs> we, you need to be able to slow him down for scenes, like just writing the script. Like You need to be able to slow him down, but there's nothing that slows him. There's, we don't have anything that can slow him down. We're not presenting with anything. It just exactly. He's just slower. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> because the script demands it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get back to the house and uh, we see the thing crawling on top of the house as we're trying to get through the door. And I guess we entered from a different side and the door is a little bit stuck. Um, and this was a sequence that um, I was drawing some parallels to the hallow. Um, I, t- I told you about this uh, off air where I was just theorizing that um, in the hallow, uh, we have a conflict between like the local farmers and uh, he's like an arborist or something. Uh He's a he, he does he's stuff with trees. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a scientist from the city, um, and so we have this conflict between the Irish locals and this guy in the Hallow, where uh, they put iron rods or iron sheets in their in their roofing in mm-hmm. their roofing um, in their homes, apparently to keep the Fey out. Um, and when this creature is on top of the house, looking down at Mark and Sarah, it starts pitching objects at them. Um, one of which looked like like maybe an iron sheet of some sort, and it actually hit Sarah in the back, like in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, huh, like maybe this is one of those things where it's like this thing is beyond superstitions mm-hmm. or something. Like maybe yeah. it's supposed to be a nod to that. That's like, oh, that shit that you guys all think works doesn't. Maybe. Um, yeah. But in fact, it could just be ceiling tiles. It could just be roofing tiles. It it could have nothing to do with that whatsoever. Well, I mean that that's. You speak about like the folklore and stuff. I don't know how popular um, American uh, witch folklore is. Um, I don't know if it's like just cross cultural, but um, our thing is is that witches would take children and eat them to like preserve their youth or something like that. So in that opening shot of the witch, spoiler alert, when she's like mashing up the baby, if you were to see that and you don't know anything about witch folklore or maybe your folklore about witches is different, they'd be like, what the fuck is she doing? Like it wouldn't make any sense. Like we know that because of our folklore. So yeah, maybe there, maybe that's exactly what's happening here. Like that could be that like the iron is like some kind of Irish superstition where hey, it keeps the fucking, uh, keeps the fucking forest trolls out and shit. And, uh, this guy, <laughs> the thing is like, uh-uh, I'm a bog monster. It's not happening. It keeps the fucking forest trolls out. It keeps the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. It keeps the fucking trolls out. Uh, so, yeah, um, after all the business with the irons, uh, we do, in fact, get inside the house. Um, and uh, we, we both get inside, but uh, the thing tries to get into the door. Um, and it reaches its hand through the door. We get that bit where it's like, ah, we're slamming the door, but it's got its hand in there. And it's whipping its claws around. Um and it grabs hold of Mark, and it's trying to yank him out the door. And, and you actually, I think, brought this up before we started recording, where this this reminded me almost of like stuff I would shoot with my friends, mm-hmm. where you can't really show the monster doing stuff because when you're shooting movies with your friends, the monster is literally just 
like one of your bigger friends or whatever yeah. wearing a rubber mask. So what you do is you like do the Jurassic Park, the opening of Jurassic Park thing, where you like put mm-hmm. yourself up against Shoot the door frame, yeah. yeah, and you you like slide up and down the door frame to make it look like something powerful is yanking you around and See, stuff. That's what's insane about Jurassic Park was that it was a high but like a really high budget film. Like the the T Rex animatronic was crazy expensive, but using limitations, Spielberg's famous for that, um, making them work. That movie is solid because of that, and this movie. It's the same kind of idea where we don't have any money. We're using our limitations. However, um, it just doesn't it doesn't work here. And this is where it kind of felt like an old horror movie too. Is like we're doing stuff off screen. Isn't it scary, kids? Uh, yeah, this is where I kind of was almost checked out. I'm like, oh no. I'm like, I already told you to watch it. I'm like, okay. Here we go. Well, I mean, a major difference between, say, the opening of Jurassic Park, as as frantic and as like jarring as that sequence can be, the shots and the lighting are like precise. Mm-hmm. Like, like Mr. Spielberg, you cannot compare this, this filmmaker yeah. with Mr. Spielberg because, um, holy shit, the shots in Jurassic Park are extraordinarily calculated and well thought out. Whereas this one, the camera's mostly handheld very shaky the focus is all over the place oh yeah and we're shooting in low light conditions so everything looks like somebody pooped on the film yeah um it looks like it was shot on a handheld dv cam or something but um, mark is getting the shit kicked out of him by this thing yeah um and it reaches for sarah uh, but she runs upstairs um so this is our first proper visit to the stairs in panic mode um but Mark uses the light of the refrigerator. So he manages to break away from this thing somehow. And he retreats into the living room. And he uses the light of a refrigerator to kind of like keep it at bay. Mm -hmm. Um, But it tries to carry him outside. And we get this really awkward sequence where it literally carries him from the living room back outside. Mm -hmm. And then Sarah comes back down. And the camera's just kind of like watching everything happen from inside the house. And then somehow she just gets him back. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't actually see the process of how she frees him. I, I think maybe she uses her cell phone or something as a flashlight. But it she just kind of, like, goes out the door with Mark as the thing's dragging him out. And then she comes back with him. And it's like, what the fuck just happened? Okay, I figured out how you could make this work a little bit. Like, you could account for uh, the lapses in its speed. Like, why is mm. it fast sometimes? It's been, it's been sleeping for a long time. Uh, so one thing you could do is like, yeah, it got the farmer because it was close and it kind of built its energy back up, but then it had to rest again. So now it's trying to get its energy back up and it, it's like a cheetah. It's, it can do like quick stuff. Like it can do really fast sprints, but after that it's fucking spent and that's pretty much the rest of its energy. So now it's actually moving slower and it's more difficult for it to get a hold of things. If you just maybe incorporated like showing it from a distance, like kind of like panting a little bit, just something that might've explained it a little bit more. Like it's conserving its energy and trying to pounce when it can, but we don't do that. I'm just offering I, I up think, Monday morning. I think what they're actually going for is more of just like, it can, it can move through darkness, like, like a, a dolphin through water. Yeah. Where, it, where basically it, in but pitch it black conditions, it, it doesn't really even run or move. It, it can basically just swim through the water um, at lightning speed or whatnot. The problem with that is we never actually see that. We never actually Mm-mm. see it move. It just appears in places. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes it very strange where there's yeah. a lot of instances where you would expect it to move with 
with the quickness, <laughs> but it never really does on camera anyway. But off screen, that thing just appears in places, and sometimes it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, because it it does show up from time to time in unexpected places, at unexpected times. Uh, um, we're gonna have to step on the gas through this neck. Like, I'm sorry, this is like the the bulk of the film. Yeah, but this is also like we're just running up and down the stairs and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, there there's a good you could trim a good twenty. Uh, a good 15 minutes out of this film of just kind of sitting around because there's not, nothing even really being conveyed in those moments. Yeah, there, this movie, um, I'm, I'm, I'm up in the air, actually, as to whether to praise it or not for this, but it has very little dialogue. It's mm-hmm. mostly, most of the storytelling is communicated to us just purely visually, and they don't even do the thing where people talk to themselves. No. Um, which is actually kind of refreshing. Because mm-hmm. um, because a lot of movies are guilty of doing that, where they have a character who's isolated, exposit. To them. They do the John McClane thing, where they just mm-hmm. kinda, just kind of like ramble to themselves. That yeah. works for John McClane, not for horror movies. But um, all those are on Prime right now. I don't know if it's on HBO through my HBO, but all the diehards are on Prime right now. Oh well, you mean Die Hard oh. one through four? Yeah, because there is no five. Five never happened. <laughs> yeah, all of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Just, you know, one through four. Um, but, yeah, uh, we try to get upstairs, but Mark is too badly injured. Okay, um, yeah. We, we, yeah, ahead, we, we hide in a closet instead. Um, yeah, no, so, it's the restroom, actually. Yeah, we hide in the restroom, and he's injured. Uh, no, dude. If you have something like this chasing you down, he's... Okay, so he has got uh, some pretty B-grade uh, practical effect... Um, uh, leg lacerations from nails. Um, it looks okay. It doesn't look great. Um, it's good this, enough. It, he you know. he can't put any weight on his leg. Now he has another leg. You could absolutely put weight on this leg. One hundred percent. Like if he, if we had like a uh, was it compound fracture where the uh, the bone's sticking through the skin? Yeah. Don't walk on that. I know you can't walk on that you're gonna pass out from the pain of that uh but yeah this is just a fucking scratch and he's like oh my god it's so painful i can't even walk up the stairs like it's ridiculous he has to get out a a handkerchief or something to fan himself with (laughs) seriously it's 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 not that big of a deal but yeah I, i think like one they're trying to force them into having this scene which is actually a pretty good scene yeah um but more than that i think they're trying to point to the fact that he's a city boy he's a wimp <laughs> he's I, I i know dudes from the city that they got this scratch they're like yeah let's get up the stairs you need me to carry you because i'll be fine because <laughs> it's a scratch <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um but she she bandages his leg and actually this is where uh, the chemistry that i was talking about earlier comes comes to the mm-hmm. fore because we actually get a very nice sequence where his acting of being in pain, despite being exaggerated, you know, given given what we given see on the a visual wound. level, yeah, yeah, given the wound, um, his acting is quite good um, because he's he's whimpering, he is crying, he's unintelligible, he's he's like a, a child that just skinned their knee or something, yeah. Um, but she like kind of cradles him and tries to console him, and the camera. This is where the handheld stuff actually helps. Mm-hmm. The camera's like shoved up in both of their faces, and it's a very intimate angle, and both performers are uh, performing capably. Um, and yeah, the, uh, the score actually complements this moment too, which was also a little bit surprising because most of the time I thought it just got in the way. Um, but she uh, she gets up to wash her hands at the sink, and uh, there is a window 
directly in front of the sink um, or just above the sink rather that faces out to like the lawn or whatever and uh, we hear the creature noises and a silhouette from behind the window so apparently it's outside now uh, so using that information uh, she decides to open the bathroom door and uh, take Mark up the stairs because she knows it's outside now um, apparently not paying attention <laughs> so, um, but uh, they get upstairs and uh, they hear noises so it's, it's now on the roof uh, so it very easily got up on the roof and we get a very bizarre sequence here where smoke starts billowing in from downstairs yeah they get they get upstairs oh and by the way i'm sorry i had a few diehard moments in this it's funny that that came up um uh he's shooting at the lights uh at one point he starts taking out the lights <laughs> um and you mentioned that she's wearing like all white and at one point she's in the bog and she, she comes out and her pants are all black i'm like oh diehard again i'm like huh there's some stuff going on here now i knew what what it feel what a tv dinner feels like in yeah. an irish accent <laughs> yeah now i knew what a tv dinner must feel like <laughs> there you go thank you kyle <laughs> your your irish is much better than mine but yeah. um yeah smoke smoke starts well yeah <laughs> we're both yeah, bad but we're both bad. <laughs> uh smoke starts billowing in from below and uh this is where sarah's characterization starts to get a little odd um because she she starts she turns into Sarah Connor from T2, not T1. See, uh, the, the parallels of Jeepers Creepers, because that was one of the first movies I saw where it's not just damsel in distress screaming. Um, it's Justin Long and his sister, and she's like the tough one, and he's the pussy throughout the film, and she like takes charge, and that was what I was kind of feeling here. Like, like you said, you, I think she is from the rural area. She's like, yeah, that's how you wave at farmers, and she's very much... Like, in her element here, it seems like. Or they try to make it seem like she's in her element here. Yeah, uh, definitely. She's, um, like I said, all the, all, the, all the signs point to her being the tougher of these two people, or at least the more capable. Uh, so, yeah, Sarah makes herself a, a, a smoke mask with a bandana, and uh, she takes Mark's phone down to use as a flashlight. Um, and... Oh man, the cinematography! <laughs> like my my note here says, "Oh my God, this handheld shit is getting on my nerves," <laughs> um, because she uh, she heads into the smoky living room and it looks like the stove is the problem. Uh, so she like opens like the flue or something to like, yeah. let the smoke out, um, and she does all this and she like smokes herself out really badly, and so she actually opens the door. And steps outside for a minute. Yeah. And smoke billows out from the house, and she has to take her mask off and actually, like, lay down in the grass for a minute. And nothing happens. Yeah. The monster doesn't even show up here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really frustrating, uh, especially for me going in thinking, like, this is going to be a pretty decent little movie. And then you get this scene, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, get back upstairs or run or something. You got to do something here. You can't just hang out outside and wish that you weren't in this situation when you have the fucking thing like roaming around the house and looking for you. Yeah, this was an odd sequence. It almost felt like you could have excised it entirely from the movie because um, not only is the logic strange where it's like, okay, this thing's smart enough to know that people don't like smoke and mm-hmm. that, you know they'll, they'll have to come downstairs and deal with the smoke. And then it goes to the trouble of doing that but doesn't even take advantage of the opening, the very clear opening that it gave itself. Yeah. It's like, like your prey is no more vulnerable than right now. Isn't like, this what you wanted it to do? You want to <laughs> smoke them out of the house? It worked. Because <laughs> you, you succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> 
but uh, like I was telling you, offer maybe it needed to take a shit at the same time or something. Yeah, it's like I, I can't, I can't do two things at once. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, uh, or maybe he's just like the farmer was like an appetizer, and she's like the main course. So we really have to wait and savor the meal. Like she's gonna taste really good. We have to get her like right when daylight's about to happen. Uh, maybe that's what it was, and he's just weird. Mm, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I like know. I said, we'd never even see this thing eat on camera. Yeah. So it, it's never even 100% clear that it it's hunting them. It it's, could just be an asshole. <laughs> it, like... See, this is where you could have t- you could have given this opportunity where like uh like she kind of moves away from the house a little bit and it goes inside and then you just hear it up there like ah, 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 and like shit banging around and then like it stopped the dude stopped screaming that would have been a nice little like oh shit like okay well, imagine in. imagine that with that handheld camera where yeah. we follow her like the camera tracks her like her face is in the center of the frame walking towards the camera we pull back along with her and she as she's like catching her breath and then like camera pans off to the side just a little bit and we see like the light like shaking around in the window and we hear noises and then yeah. we have to like run back into the house with her it'd be a really energetic sequence and mm-hmm. but none of that's actually in this none movie <laughs> so you could um, totally do a horror movie you, you sell yourself short like you could totally do a horror movie well, i know how to i know how to put shit together i i know math two plus yeah. two is four motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> um, but um we we got we got an unfortunate close up of Mark's phone in her hand because mm-hmm. um, the battery is low. Keep keep put a pin in that. Um, but we get this unfortunate graphic that you can tell they basically like photoshopped on the quick because we can't pay licensing fees, so we can't have like iPhones and whatnot, mm-hmm. and we also can't have like Samsung licensed graphics and whatnot. So it's like the font tells you, ooh, somebody made that in a hurry. <laughs> um, but um, she heads back in. And uh, we do see the thing behind her, but again, it doesn't, like, strike or anything. But it does get into the house with her, and this is where we get um, the Buffalo Bill shot. Yeah. It literally does a Buffalo Bill. Like, it's, it's literally from Silence of the Land. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he takes, yeah, he's, like, just standing in the room with her, and Jodie Foster's just, like, wide-eyed, breathing heavily in a dark room, and he's just, like, putting his hand close to her. Uh, which is super weird. It, it I think... Because it's deliberately put in the film, like it's the most deliberate thing in the film. Uh, this is totally a nod to Silence of the Lambs. Oh, a hundred percent. Like one hundred percent. It's too similar. It's a. Uh, it's shot from POV. Um, the creature has natural night vision instead of night vision goggles. But it even the framing of it is very similar to that sequence from Silence of the Lambs. Um, but. Uh, we see her from behind and we assume that she doesn't know that it's there and somehow she has again she has like spider sense or something because she is one step ahead of this thing and through some shenanigans that i actually don't remember um she i think uses like a fireplace poker and yeah, jams stabs it into his its foot, foot. Yeah. and this was actually a, a weird precedent for the movie that i thought was going to carry over into more more of the proceedings in the film it's um this is maybe the only instance besides the finale where we actually get any sort of physicality with the creature. Yeah. Like, like almost at, at no point in, in all of this, like, stalking and whatnot, does anyone actually pick up a weapon to, like, fight this thing with? It's kind of like this the, is maybe the only instance of it. It's kind of like the Wraith from the Frighteners. Like, it's just kind of, like, menacing up above. Like, it's never really interacting with the character. It's just kind of chasing ish her 
but we have a lot of face-to-face time with this thing we do a lot of standoffs where it's like it's within close. arm's reach yeah. you could totally whack him right now yeah but it never um, really and gets you there. you stabbed it in the foot and you demonstrated that it doesn't like that well so he, why would mis- you do more of that the <laughs> mistake uh, the biggest mistake this movie makes is that buffalo bill scene it, that 100% we know what its vision is now so there's no reason for the rest of the movie we know that it can see in the dark totally fine if you would have made it seem it's blind it's like the dude from don't breathe like uh, like it's just a blind thing in a house trying to find these people then yeah that makes more sense that it's like right there close up next to her and can't grab a hold of her but we know that it can see perfectly in the dark so what are we doing here yeah um the, the rules are hazy at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she stabs it in the foot and she retreats back into the restroom. So Mark is upstairs. She's in the bathroom downstairs. Um, I'm sorry. It, it, it comes right in. Yeah, it comes right in. I'm sorry, but it's funny. Like literally the, the director shooting himself in the foot was when he's showing the, the, the creature's um, vision and then he gets stabbed in the foot. <laughs> so it's like, it was like a metaphor. It's like, I don't know why, but I want this in the film. I feel like it's going to be very good. Like, yeah, not well, a metaphor like, at like, all. Like like you had said, Kyle, uh, if you look at this guy's uh, IMDb credits, most of them are actually editing jobs mm-hmm. as opposed to directing jobs. So like maybe he was in the editing bay or something and he just like got to that and he paused and he just leaned back and he was like, huh. That's something. <laughs> or maybe he, he put that in the film and they're like, you know, that doesn't make any sense, right? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I mean, you have this thing having trouble seeing in the dark, but you have a scene where you spent the majority of the money for the film showing that it can see in the dark. And he's like, fuck, I really shot myself in the foot there, huh? Like, oh, I've got an idea. <laughs> and they filmed the, the foot stabbing yeah. pickup or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the thing comes right into the bathroom, and we get what could have been a very tense sequence, but this thing is utterly incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, she hides in, like, it's a cabinet or something in, in the restroom. So they're basically in the same room together. Yeah. And it kind of farts around in there, and it stalks about. It does its Nosferatu hands. And uh, she tries to keep her cool, and we get this sequence where Daddy Longlegs is uh, crawling on her face. And uh, she actually breathes because it like tickles her chin a little bit mm-hmm. and the thing reacts like the monster reacts and then it leaves yeah. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't even bother to open the cabinet it just leaves <laughs> i mean speaking to like uh, irish stereotypes maybe this thing died when it was drunk like bill pullman <laughs> and casper and it's just like it's situational awareness is like what a oh, depth perception is all like oh i think it's over this way fuck <laughs> oh man that would be great kyle imagine that like a drunk monster movie yeah (laughs) the monster died drunk yeah no but just imagine the thing like trying to walk straight down a hallway and like rubbing up against the wall bowling its way through the house (laughs) 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 maybe like stopping to like put its head between its knees and like (laughs) yeah like actually dry heaving a little bit i'm fine i'm fine i mean uh what to quote Danny DeVito in Batman Returns it's like I'll be murdering you momentarily yeah. <laughs> he's gotten to me <laughs> yeah I love it I love uh, that's one of my favorite lines from that movie is that one uh, that is I think my favorite pre-death quote in any movie yeah. ah shit I picked the cute one <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it just leaves and uh, the phone dies um, so she doesn't have a light source anymore and uh, we, yeah, we get this awkward, silent chase 
as uh, we see this thing again POV shot we we see from its point of view Sarah run from the cabinet up the stairs and it doesn't even make a move to chase her it just she just kind of like casually runs past it and is like oh shit <laughs> I really dropped the ball on that one and I guess what we're supposed to get from that is that uh, the lamp is actually pointing down into the stairwell so it I guess it can't follow but because it's a pov shot we actually see that it makes no effort to even take a step towards her it's just yeah. kind of like oh what oh shit she's gone <laughs> Fuck, she's gone <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of pitiful <laughs> um but yeah uh, mark is having trouble speaking again a credit to his performance um he he, he does a joe biden here where his his words kind of turn into just a mishmash of <laughs> noises yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not really intelligible words it's just <laughs> but um yeah uh he is uh not doing well uh, in fact he's asked how are you feeling and he says fucked um his plan that he wants the the gravely injured man his plan is he wants to wait for daylight and uh sarah ain't having it mm. she's like Mm-mm, no <laughs> um and she sees the thing in front of the house, so they're they're upstairs and they're looking down below, and it's just kind of hanging out, staring up at them. So I guess this is where it's supposed to become solid in our minds that this thing is tenacious. It's it's, uh, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It'll stick around as long as it has to to get to them. Um, but yeah, uh, we get this exchange between the two of them, the couple, um, and it's uh, basically the cinematography actually does its job here where we... Uh, we in a single shot, we shift focus from one face to another. And uh, the plan at this point, Sarah's plan, because she's taking charge at this point, yeah, is uh, we're going to shut out the light to bait it into the house, and she sees a tractor outside that she's going to make a run for. So we're doing the tremors thing. Uh, we're going to make noise over here and then run for the run for the cat. We're going <laughs> to head out to the cat. <laughs> Maybe, so back to this, this the... The why, why this creature is just not why it's running so far away each time and not, like not coming back for a while maybe because it is old it like this thing does seem like it's very old and the reason why it survived for so long is that any hint of light it just fucking takes off like just takes off running it's like a deer almost like as soon as you make a noise it just boom and you'll never see it again Maybe that's what it is, and it's just moving so far away, and then it's like kind of taking its time to come back slowly and being very cautious, and then making an attack. A little bit of light, boom, deer, clear across the like it's just way out of there. Because that would kind of make sense here, where you said that they're upstairs now. Like she got away, he sees the light. Like he, it's like going up the stairs and it sees the light, and now it's like clear across, like outside of the house to like across the yard, basically. That would make more sense if it's just like it's so skittish that as soon as it sees a little bit of light, it just takes off running. But it it's it, think of uh, makes me think of nature videos my mm. my grandpa had of like mongoose and weasels the way yeah. they hunt. It's kind of like they they jab at you and then they yeah. bounce they bounce like thirty feet away from you and then they come back and they take another nibble. Maybe with budget limitations, like you would have to kind of CGI the speed a little bit, and they just didn't have it. So that like, would that would look awful. It would look I'm awful. They yeah. Didn't do that. Uh, but it, you, I think you could have still done it. Like if you would have had it, like as soon as you see a little bit of light, you hear the noise and it busts into the door, like a bust through a window to get out of there really fast. Like okay, it's really afraid of light, so it's gonna keep doing. Yeah, like a mongoose, it's gonna keep coming up and taking a bite and running away. Yeah, well, it would have been the thing with the stove 
set a precedent that I would have liked them to come back to if they were going to commit to that. Maybe have more instances of it just fucking with them. Like, just agitating them. Like, yeah. pissing them off. And no one in this movie ever has a breakdown in that way. It would be kind of cool to have someone just fucking angry at this thing. Like, nobody ever lashes out or throws a tantrum in this movie. And that's actually very surprising because that's pretty common in monster movies. But um, nobody has an overreaction like that in this movie. And I hate to be that guy um, because it's not everybody would agree with this. But um, a problem I have is that there's no body count. No. In my mind, it's like someone I'm. Obviously, I brought this up at the top of the podcast and in the previous episode, and presumably every episode this month I'm going to bring this up, but my favorite thing in monster movies is learning the behavior, like learning Mm -hmm. how to anticipate the creature. And because the rules are so hazy with this thing and there's no body count, so we we just don't really get anything to work with. Like we we don't really understand what it wants or how it, it, or if it feeds or if it needs to. Um, and a body count would have solved a lot of that. It would have made clear a lot of questions that I have. Yeah, um, if you could see like just a horrific like it eats your heart through your stomach, like it starts in your stomach and like, works its way to get your heart. Like that would be pretty fucking terrifying, especially it's, if you if that, you're first first kills are very important, man. I mean, even Lake Placid, which is mostly a comedy, you get to see some guts mm-hmm. in that movie in that first kill. In, in that way, like, you see that, like, oh, my God, that's awful. Like, what the fuck did it do? And then you get a close-up scene where it's, like, like trying to, like, start eating somebody's stomach. Like, oh, fuck, that's creepy. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Um, yeah, we, we don't get that in here. I agree. This, they, we, could have se- we could have seen what it's capable of instead of just a bite and the person's still alive. Like, it's not a big fucking deal. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly. Um, anyway... Uh- we get a nice intimate intimate angle as our two leads share a kiss. Uh, Sarah hops outside as Mark uh, shines the light down on her like a spotlight. And this is where we get to see that this is the most powerful lamp ever devised. Yes, correct. <laughs> this is a flood lamp. Um, but then uh, while she's fumbling around at the tractor, uh, the light goes out. And she is not happy about that. Um, and uh, when she's fumbling around the tractor, I thought she was going to do the T2 thing where she's going to pull yeah, down the, I did too. the sun visor and find the keys. But no. She Are didn't. we learning yet? <laughs> I totally thought it because she was like checking all the nooks and crannies. I was like, it's probably going to be right there. <laughs> um, but uh, while she's looking for the keys, uh, she is attacked by the old man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the old man um, scratches her or bites her on the neck. Um, she is she gets a laceration on her neck mm-hmm. and this is where the the rules start to get again very hazy oh, hazy very hazy in fact um because yeah. put a pin in that uh, we saw a person get bitten earlier in this movie and we saw somebody get cut er- earlier in this movie and uh there's some consistency in what happens when that happens um not so much here but uh she stabs this old man in the eyeball <laughs> mm. and it's it's actually a decent effect um more more gory than you would expect um being as this isn't that kind of movie for the most part um and i think she yanks the keys off of him yeah um and uh she turns on the tractor and the lights on the she tractor bl- she blade twos him yeah to just hits him with the uv light and he this was kind of neat i kind of like what they do with this later when uh, mark gets it um Absolutely. i thought i thought yeah. it was very creative um but yeah it, it's still like kind of 
weirdly defined. Um, I mean, with vampire lore, you know, UV light, sunlight kills them. It turns them into ash. Um, in this case, the lights turn the guy uh, into ash, and he just kind of crumbles apart. And I'm like, that was kind of interesting. Like, okay, these creatures, like, this creature by now wouldn't have even gotten close to the upstairs light, if that's the case. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it could be a, like a master vampire. Yeah. Thing. And like, <laughs> what what was the line in Blade? It's like, I was born a vampire. <laughs> you were merely turned. Sissy. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he turns into a CGI dust man. Um, and then I think he turns into a practical CGI dust mm-hmm. man when he's run over, which is yes. really nice. Yeah. Um, uh, again, when I was looking for uh, Joshua Bork, uh, focus puller extraordinaire in the credits, um, I did see that there was a credit for sand sculpture. Mm. Um, so they did, in fact, build a couple of sand sculptures of people, and they do look quite nice. Um, and uh, Sarah, after having killed this old man, so basically what we learned there is that in having been bitten by this creature, the old man turned into some kind of similar creature. Yeah. Um, again, not it's not certain at all what the old man's intentions were, but he is violent, so they yes. killed him. And he displays the same allergy to light. Uh, that the creature does. allergy <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know what else to call it but yeah um sarah gets marked down the stairs and uh, while she's ushering him out the door like as soon as they're getting to the doorway he goes ballistic mm-hmm. and he knocks her down and he starts smashing all the lights with his yeah. hand with his bare fucking hands um so apparently he has turned into one of these uh creatures as well um and yeah, this is where I started to get annoyed with the movie for the number of times that something from out of focus approaches her from behind. Although this was actually a decent instance of it, mm-hmm. um, because she runs up the stairs and is hiding around a corner, and we see Mark like shamble up the stairs after her, like in pursuit of her. He can't see her, um, and he's totally out of focus while she's like occupying half. Her face is occupying like half of the frame, and then when he gets close to her, she whips around and she uh, burns him with her lighter that she had because she is a smoker. Yes. And uh, he falls down the stairs. And uh, damn, uh, just like that lamp, this is a powerful lighter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The flame that comes out of it is probably a foot tall. Um, And, (laughs) man, my notes are getting catty. Shit. Yeah. (laughs) I said, oof, we're even pulling focus on the lighter. (laughs) Because, like, like we have close-ups of the lighter and, like, the focus is going, wee, 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 wee. Um, and yeah, the score gets kind of sad here uh, because Mark is uh, either dead or injured and also he's a monster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we get extremely close tracking shots uh, of her fiddling around the house uh, by powerful lighter light. And she finds some candles. I think this is this is where you you had your second viewing session of this movie. Yeah, she gets the candles and she's just kind of like, sitting like she's not really doing anything for a little bit she's just kind of she's like, mopey for like two minutes yeah yeah it's like considering the pace of the film like this is really taking a long time to be mopey um but she's not this is where um her her character just starts to wane a little bit like for somebody in this situation you'd be a little more frantic but she's a little more grounded but not grounded enough if you know what i mean like she's not like really she doesn't seem like she's taking charge like just the acting itself she's just kind of like 
going through the motions almost. She yeah. comes across as a little bit robotic. Yeah. Like, see, like I, I mentioned Sarah Connor from T2. One thing that makes that performance really good is that she vacillates back and forth between being steely and focused and being just straight up angry. Yeah. And, and also straight up depressed and sad. Like, it's a very deep performance on a lot of levels. But the point I'm trying to make is that she displays quite a bit of emotion yeah depending on the situation whereas this gal has has like the steely focus and whatnot but she doesn't really have much of an emotional reaction to much of what's going on god i want to watch t2 again so bad now i'm just thinking of her it's always a good day (laughs) i'm thinking of her shooting at dyson like when he's in the in the computer room like just her her focus in that in that scene like fuck that's chilling well but then two seconds later when she walks into the house yeah, she and completely does a one eighty and yeah. breaks down like a child. Almost. That's what, that's what I was thinking. Like that that combination of like she was going to kill this guy. She shoots him in the back, and then she's point blank about to kill a man, and it's just like fuck. Don't don't yeah. shoot my daddy. Those are yeah. pretty powerful words. <laughs> pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But for kids, <laughs> that, that movie was hella marketed to kids. <laughs> oh, I watched it. We we definitely watched that movie when I was a kid. A child, uh, yeah. I mean, that was when he was doing his uh, presidential fitness stuff. <laughs> like, like, like this, the VHS uh, that my family had of that movie was preceded by an advertisement for the very tape that you're currently watching. Mm-hmm. That's odd. Yeah. As well as an advertisement for his presidential fitness campaign. So it's like him in, a, it's the early 90s. So he's wearing like a... Uh, a sky blue t-shirt and like mm-hmm. pink pants and, like, and he's like working out with kids in a field or something wild and crazy kid yeah it reminds yeah, me of the yeah, wild exactly. and crazy kids yeah, yeah. that outfit <laughs> yes that outfit um but yeah uh, we get a i, I want to say this is probably the reason this movie exists um one i think this director has a thing for this lead actress um because the way she is framed um it's not like there's no like sexual overtones or anything, but you can tell that this was a character or an actor that he had a lot of appreciation for. Like he mm-hmm. really wanted to share this with people. Um, but this sequence in particular, I want to say this is like the foundation of the script. Like this was probably what he probably built outward from this scene. I can um, see either, that. Either that or, or Mark's death spoiler alert. Um, I feel like the relationship aspect of the storytelling in this movie is the entire reason the script was ever written. Um, somebody just had a good idea and was like, what if we built a movie around that? It's like, yeah, we could do that. It won't hmm. be very good, but there will be like two good parts. It's like, yeah. okay, <laughs> sure, here's 50 bucks. We'll make a movie. Um, but uh, yeah, she starts to head down the stairwell where Mark is, and he's unconscious. And uh, he like exhales, so he signals to us that he's not dead. But uh, it turns out he had a little black box in his hand. He just had it in his hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that, how you go from smashing lights and stalking your girlfriend to like, oh, I should probably make sure that I have my engagement ring in my hand when I bash her fucking brains in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he drops an engagement ring box and uh, the piano kicks in, the sad piano. Yeah, and, uh, sad piano. She uh, takes a minute to like mull things over, and you can tell from her facial acting. She's just like, "Oh man, You're like, oh, I, I guess I love you." <laughs> and uh, she drags him to the door, and uh, we actually get a cool creature moment where she's like pulling him out the door, and then uh, the monster like 
drops down, like pounces on top of the tractor that's posted up in front of the door, and mm-hmm. it strikes the Spider-Man pose where like your your knees are up to your shoulders. Yeah, like you do a deep squat. It's totally the Spider-Man pose. It's kind of cool. But um, uh, so she instead she drags him back into the house. Um, uh, we're back in the car yeah, again. In the car again. <laughs> um, she drags him into the restroom and ties his hands, and uh, she puts the candles up on the bathtub. And she actually takes a look at the ring. Uh, her face tells us she's not disappointed. Thank God. Um, and uh, again, this is actually an instance where that uh, out of focus thing attacking her from behind trick actually works a little bit because we see Mark stirring and he's completely out of focus. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a move on her, like he tries to pounce on her with his hands bound. It, it's actually kind of cool because yeah. she's in the middle of looking at the ring and. It and he's works. kind of in and out of transitioning. Like he's like, you have to get away from me or something like that. Um, he, I don't know what the words are exactly, but he starts smashing his head on the sink. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? He's smashing his teeth out, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Like he's like clearly turning into this creature, and he knows like, you remember Josh Harnett in uh, Thirty Days a Night where he injects the vampire blood, and he's like, I can smell your blood, like. I, it, I thought it was a really neat scene, but uh, that's a yeah. that's a pretty neat movie for the most part. I really really like that movie. I, I think it's very underrated. Not a lot of people, nobody talks about it. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, <laughs> I'd love to get a, an opportunity to talk about it. Um, and it might be is it Danny Houston? Is that yes. his name? Yeah. yeah, it's his best performance. I think <laughs> his his mouth acting. It's yeah, he's fucking menacing in that movie. Oh, um, yeah. he, he he has a particular way of moving his mouth in general, but in that movie it's like, oh yeah, he's a fish person. He's a shark yeah. man. He's a shark <laughs> man. <laughs> um but yeah, so he he starts smashing his teeth out, um presumably because he knows he wants to bite her and he knows if he bites her, she's going to turn into a thing. You can't gum her to death like uh, I mean, it would have been really cool, actually, in a, in a different movie with a budget. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be cool if he was bashing his teeth out? Not just because he's trying to, like, like give her a, a head start. So he's, like, self-injuring to, like, mm-hmm. slow himself down. And, like, you know, he's fighting himself. So obviously he's going to, like, thrash around and stuff. Wouldn't it be really cool, though, if, like, he was making room for new teeth or something? Oh, that would be kind of cool. Where, it, where it's like you get to see his gums fill out with, like, fangs or something. That would be pretty neat. I would be down for that. Pretty fucking neat. But Put a pin in, in that. Movie. <laughs> Put a pin in that for something. That's a, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Spe- speaking of shark people. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, she uh, devises a hairspray torch. <laughs> this is sure. the worst thing. I've seen worse injuries on the set of Jackass. This thing would do fucking nothing. Yeah, it's it's really lame, and it it comes out of left field where it's like, so you just thought to do that? Okay. See, I think so. This is where I wrote down in my notes: burn the house down. Like, just oh, it, yeah. this is an yeah, enormous. Yeah. This this place is huge, and there's all kinds of places around you. You could burn a barn and leave the house on its own. Like, just burn the place down. That's enough light to get you through the next day. Yeah, yeah, and as as we later learn the tools to do so are everywhere. She literally has them. I thought this was what she was going to do. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I have burned the house down. Mark is knocking his teeth out, spray stuff. And then, uh, she's moving around somewhere in the house and she grabs the TV. She starts to turn on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. She turns on the TV in the living room. Cause apparently this house only has four rooms, two upstairs, two downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has the TV on to like, 
keep the monster at bay or keep Mark at bay. And uh, she lights, she rolls up some paper. Uh, Onto a finds, pipe. She, oh, no, no, that's, she, that's in a minute. She finds a box of matches. Just finds it. They're on the table. I'm assuming this guy's a smoker just because he's a country guy. So, yeah, he would have a box of matches on the kitchen table for his tea and cigarettes or tea and cigar. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm okay with it, too. It's just, it's it's very convenient that, like, you just, you needed matches and you found matches. <laughs> it's, so. it's, it is convenient, but it is reasonable enough for it to be easily there for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, she brandishes the paper at the monster, and this was some of the ugliest camera work in the whole movie. Because this, I, could, yeah. I couldn't even see no. if there was another person in the room with her. There, this is awful. This, this is, we're, it's really starting to lose its grip at this point in the film. Yeah, so she waves this thing around like a torch, but the framing is so awful that like, I would not be surprised if they didn't have all their actors that day and she had to do this alone. Yeah, <laughs> I would not be surprised either. And they just filled in the blanks with sound effects and whatnot. But she retreats to a shed. Yes, um, shed. Out back. Yeah, sheds are not good places in horror movies. Um, speaking Mm-mm. of which, this is where the parallels to the hallow start to become very, very close, actually. <laughs> Because um, we have a couple, we have a monstrous husband or fiance mm-hmm. or whatever in a shed. <laughs> also, light is a problem, I think. But um, she gets to the shed, but when she's closing the door, Mark bites her finger, and wouldn't you know it, Kyle? It's her ring finger. Yeah. <laughs> On her left arm. <laughs> like I said, I feel like this sequence, this entire sequence with her and Mark, was the foundation for the entire script. But. Um, just when I started to praise the movie for having very little dialogue, uh, she starts pleading with Mark, like, "No, don't, don't, Mark, no, come to your, come to your senses." It's not, it's not overwrought. It's not like, it's not like incessant, but it's just like she's been silent for a very long time now, and and this is where she starts speaking again to mm-hmm. say, "No, Mark." Um, and this is probably one of the better scenes in the entire movie, if not the best. Scene I think it's the, the best movie. scene. Yeah, I think the so. second best scene. I really like. I liked our uh, silhouette reveal of the creature when they're when they're lost. Yeah, that's more just a good shot. This yeah. is a whole scene, but yeah. um, basically, what happens is she does. She fumbles around the shed as Mark is like pouncing around the room and like slobbering and making creature noises and whatnot. Um, and she gets to the back of the shed and she finds a light switch and without even turning around so she's got her head pressed up against the wall essentially she just kind of like hesitates for a second and then she flicks the switch and then the noises stop and this was shot in a, shot and edited in a very mature fashion where we only get the visual information that we absolutely need um, all like hats off to the direct writer director editor whoever um, they did a very good job here. Um, she slumps to the floor. Again, she has yet to turn around. Um, and my notes here tell me that it's like, yeah, presumably she's upset because she knows what turning on the lights mean, especially if there's no more noises. Um, and uh, the next shot is a, a dust. It's, it's just shadows. So we get a, a person in a mobile person's head casting a shadow on the wall and then we see her shadow approach it and her hand reach out and like touch its face and then it crumbles yeah um and this is obviously a sand sculpture um but basically she just killed her potential fiance um and yeah it's very well acted very well executed everything about it's great yeah this was really good 
I, I really like this scene. And uh, um, what 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 did you think about this uh, chisel sequence, though, Kyle? I didn't need it. Uh, yeah. I I really didn't need it. It wasn't bad. I didn't like her reaction. Uh, I think you would be. She goes into shock immediately when she removes her finger. I feel like you would be a little more on edge. Also, she just does it with her hand. Like it's not even like a hammer or anything like that. Like she just she takes a chisel and she you know lobs off her finger uh, where the bite is basically, which I don't think would have done anything. I think you would have already turned. But anyway, um, yeah, the the practical the practicalness of it, uh, it's fine. It it I. It, it's convincing enough visually. It's just what how she reacts to it. There's no like yelp or anything like that. She just like hits it and immediately goes into shock. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I've never seen somebody lob their finger off just like point blank like that. I don't know how you'd react. Maybe you do just go into shock right away. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I actually kind of liked it because um, she does even like tear up in the eyes and like a lot of blood rushes into her, her forehead like Mm -hmm. and uh she just kind of like eases back and again this is where the handheld camera work actually helps a little bit because it it, and it lends like a sense of like delirium where it's like ooh, she's she's in a weird space right now because it's like when you like roll an ankle or something you instantly get very cold or something yeah um there was uh that in that documentary the the tiger king um, you were just waiting for somebody to get injured, and of course somebody does. Um, one of the one of the people that works there gets their arm just taken off, and it's pretty like it happens pretty quickly. Like they were videotaping already because there there was a guy shooting a documentary, like he was shooting a reality show, so there were camera rolling, cameras rolling all the time. So this uh, attendant was feeding one of the animals, and they get to her, and she is just like ghost white, like she is just like not moving at all. Like, not really even reacting to anything that's happening around her, but her arm is fucking gone, uh, basically. So, yeah, now that I think about it, this might be pretty accurate with the removal. I'll take yeah, it. And, and the, the gore effect, I thought, was actually quite good. Um, mm-hmm. It looks good. It's only on camera as long as it needs to be. And if I recall, the way it's shot, um, we're focused on the hand and the chisel hitting the hand. So we get to see it straight in the middle of the frame like it we get to see the finger come off and everything but then if i remember right the camera just kind of tilts up to her face and it, it gives the impression that it's like it it makes it hard to see the seam between the prosthetic and the actor mm-hmm. it's like it it looks like it all happened seamlessly without any makeup effects or anything so it 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 helps maintain the illusion yes <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh what confused me about this though was that she has that neck cut yeah it's like what about that like i was expecting this movie to end as a result of that um, mm-hmm. despite her efforts to you know treat the treat this supernatural thing as if as an infection it's like i don't i don't know if uh, the fae abide by scientific rules and logic <laughs> like yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it's like good job you cut off your finger you're still, you're still fucked yeah you're still <laughs> fucked <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, now she's gonna set up a trap, which is very ill-defined, from what I can gather. The logic is again. I don't know how she arrived at this conclusion, but mm. she uses she she severs her finger in a pan, so she collects the blood. But more than that, I think she just used the pan to brace her hand. Yeah. But point is, she has this pan full of blood, but then she devises a plan where she's gonna pour out the blood in a trail to the door to lure the creature in. 
when have you ever seen that this creature is at all attracted to blood? Yeah, we don't. We don't see it at all. There's no precedent for it. Like, no. like okay, you made a mess. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's a John Mulaney bit about, like, detectives back in the 30s before they had DNA testing. And, like, there's a murder. Like, detective, we found a bunch of blood in the other room. Gross! <laughs> now back to my hunch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that, that's yeah. what you had to work like, I severed my finger. Gross! Now turn that light out so I can kill you. <laughs> but uh, speaking of turning lights out, um, she shuts the light off, um, presumably because she wants to lure the creature in and then pull the same trick. Why yeah. not? Um, and then we get another instance of uh, that fuzzy out-of-frame stuff actually working a little bit because she shuts the light off. And again, the camera is like close up on her in profile and there's about half the frame occupied and out of focus or unoccupied and out of focus. And uh, within seconds, the thing just like crawls in like on a haystack or something behind yeah. her. And I thought that was kind of cool because it demonstrates that it's like, oh shit, like you turn out the light for a second, this thing is like a, it's like a cockroach or something, but in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but somehow the thing slinks in and it breaks the light in the like there's a kerfuffle where she gets scared she gets spooked by the thing and it smashes the light just as she's turning it on um and she runs to what i thought was the same house but a different part of it but yeah. it looks like a totally different location um because it's it's it looks like straight out of the first resident evil movie or something where it's like it's like it's like a mansion but like there's a whole bunch of shit on the floor and yeah. like it looks like a whole bunch of leaves blew in from somebody some asshole left a door open or something um but she uh, she uses matches to maneuver around the house uh, powerful matches by the way and uh she gets a scratch on her face from the creature because it reaches in through a window and somehow she finds lighter fluid or something mm-hmm and makes a makeshift torch. Like Off I don't know pipe. where the fluid. Yeah, it's out like of a, a pipe. It's a piece of paper, like a piece of newspaper, wrapped on a pipe, and yeah. that's her torch. Yeah, but I, my biggest question is like pipe, fine. Paper, fine. Lighter fluid. Where'd that come from? <laughs> you don't need lighter fluid with paper. It catches on fire. <laughs> paper um, is yeah. lighter fluid. <laughs> She makes a torch, and uh, she brandishes the torch at the creature, and we get actually like a, a face-to-face encounter with the thing um, shot from a more conventional angle, and it's it looks like we're about to have a confrontation. But then we get this really awkwardly blocked sequence where the camera cuts to an exterior of her in this house, and she just like gives like a exasperated like, <laughs> and she she turns around and she doesn't even run she just kind of like stomps away from it and we get this like wide exterior shot just showing her casually walk away from this thing but again i don't know if they had the creature on set that day because we don't see it pursuing her Mm-mm. we just see her like casually walking away from this thing it kind of reminds me of dog soldiers a little bit because we have like stuff kind of happening outside but we don't get a lot of we don't see the dog sold the, the the werewolves as much Dog uh, soldiers had so much energy, though. Exactly. Yes, it had a so lot much more energy. energy. It felt like there was something outside, but it, it reminds me like we're not showing the stuff happening. There's just stuff kind of happening outside. No, dog soldiers had so much energy and life to it that it's like, man, it's a fun movie. Yeah, <laughs> makes me makes me again want to check out Neil Marshall's uh, Hellboy because I know it's bad. I've heard nothing but bad things about it, but I just want to see. I just want to yeah. see. Like I just need to know. 
I got snow. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, she walks away from this creature and uh, she strikes up a boss girl stance where she's like, it's just a shot that somebody decided we needed in this movie. doesn't really contribute anything. It's just like, just stand there and look cool. <laughs> it's like, just do it. Um, and uh, she finds a lantern. Man, this girl finds lights. Like, yeah. She just finds lights all over the place. She finds a lantern and uh, she runs away from the house. And uh, she finds the uh, the wall of stumps and uh, branches from Pet Cemetery. Um, she can't really get over. She can't really get over it, so she goes running off again. And uh, we get a lot of focus on her ringed finger hand. Um, and then we get a scene that it's funny you mentioned uh, the frighteners uh, because, uh, like Peter Jackson, um, we have a moment that feels straight out of Lord of the Rings or Predator mm-hmm. or even The Descent, honestly. Because the, the the look of this creature's face, which we mm-hmm. finally get to see in close up here, it looks like is, an orc. Yeah, it does look like an orc. Um, but the scene I'm talking about is like in in a fellowship uh, where the ring wraiths are above the hobbits, mm-hmm. um, and similar to the predator uh, looking for Arnold, and it's like above him, it can't see him because he's mudded up. Um, yeah, uh, she's hiding under like a collapsed tree or something and this creature like crawls on top of the the tree above her and it just does like snarly creature stuff but this is like maybe the only time in the movie we get like to see it in all of its glory um it again it just looks like an orc wearing some rags Mm -hmm. it's pretty nondescript it doesn't really have a distinct look to it um almost looks similar to like one of the creatures from the the descent but not nearly as good and uh black instead of uh white no, there's a specific shot in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. It's the opening sequence when we're learning about the the battle uh, with uh, Sauron. Um, there's a particular orc that is seen. I'm like, it looks exactly like one of those orcs. I know which one I'm thinking of. I'd, I'd have to describe it in detail to the film. I don't want to have to do that. But uh, <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I'm like, that's an orc. That's just an orc. Um, yeah, I, it, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> it, doesn't look, it doesn't look bad. It's just not unique. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it's funny. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Lord of the Rings movies, unfortunately. Mm. I'm one of those people. But um, I do remember, even though I've only seen like each of those movies once, maybe twice, um, I remember being very appreciative of the diversity of the orc makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, they There's so many different shapes and looks to them. Like Some have like a more traditional... like. Uh, goblin like hook nose and then there's the one with like the tumor face and then <laughs> and then there's like the the urukai from fellowship that has mm-hmm. like the high f- he has the jennifer garner forehead mm-hmm. and like I, I just appreciate that it's like there isn't just a base template for orc it's like no they're an entire race of beings of course like like humans they're all gonna look different you have to watch your mouth not you in particular, <laughs> just like people in general. You got to watch your mouth when you're when you're talking about Lord of the Rings. It's fine if you're not crazy about those movies, but don't for a second try to bash them. Because no, absolutely that, not. I, I wouldn't dream of it. Yeah, because from a filmmaking standpoint, those movies are awesome. Like they're they're just they're great. But the thing is, is that um, Lord of the Rings fans, especially fans of the film, are generally fans of Tolkien, and pretty much all Tolkien fans love those movies. That's it's pretty hard to do for a filmmaker is to make the fans of the film love the like fans of the the books love the film and that's like it's right there neck and neck 
like the love is equal. So if you're if you're taking shots at the film, you might as well be taking shots at Tolkien himself. Okay, so <laughs> you have to you'd be careful. I think one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, they were kind of stepping on uh, eggshells a little bit. They might be stepping on eggshells a little bit now because they were loosely talking about how they don't really care too much for the Lord of the Rings films. Like you watch it, just don't even don't even mention it. Just mention, just say, Lord of the Rings are some movies. <laughs> they are movies. <laughs> they were movies, were movies that came out. Um, I mean, a closing thought on that is uh, I maintain that quite a few like ardent film fans came out of the success of those movies because uh, pop- Peter Jackson kind of popularized the idea of sharing the secrets of filmmaking with the public. Mm-hmm. Like he, he reveled in it. He, he actually likes to show his work unlike Christopher Nolan who treats films as, as magic tricks. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to tell you anything about how I did anything. It just exists. <laughs> um, but like, just the idea of those movies being released on DVD with tons of special features, like, I, like there's tons of people who that was their introduction to. Like, oh, movies are hard to make. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And you want yeah. you want to see all the details of it? Well, you can you can actually see it on this DVD. And for that, it's like you know. Can, no no amount of praise is enough um for for peter jackson and his work on those movies because that's that's really cool he set a precedent that um more more people should should try to live up to because mm-hmm. I, I like i like seeing how things are done but anyway uh back to this shit um, <laughs> so we're back in the bog and uh somehow she, yeah yeah she's she's fumbling around she falls into like a mud crevice or mud tunnel basically um so this is this clues us, the viewer, in on the fact that it's like, oh, we're back at where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she takes a <laughs> she takes a leap onto a spike in the ground. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know what the significance of the spikes are, um, but we began the movie and we end the movie with a spike. I'm yeah. Curious. Um, but yeah, she her foot. Uh, this is like uh, stepping on a nail when you're a kid, but with a stake. Yeah. <laughs> um, it goes directly through the center of her foot, and uh, she actually re- reacts more harshly to this than she did at severing her finger. Well, I think she prepared herself for severing the finger. This she was not prepared for. Yeah, um, it, it hurts, obviously. Um, and uh, she gets she takes a moment to observe this creature from a distance, um, but not before spying some gas cans nearby, which actually were set up. Yeah. Um, because the old man was he was burning these pyres of mud bricks and whatnot. Uh, so there are gas cans nearby, and uh, the the uh, artificial orchestra kicks in as she makes a run for the gas. And, uh, she pours a trail of it out, and uh, we get another POV shot of the creature running up behind her. She doesn't bother to turn around. Apparently that's her move. And uh, she smashes the lantern on top of the gas trail and uh, it lights up and like Die Hard 2, it takes a leap off the ground up and up onto this creature and uh, he gets set on fire. So yeah. some stuntman got to do a full body burn. Good for it was that. the director or the guy he met at a party. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it gets set on fire. Fortunately, uh, that bog is still nearby, so it takes a dive in there. Obviously, and, yeah. Yeah, and then we get this awkward extreme slow motion shot of the water like settling after it dove in for like 15 seconds. Just It's just water sloshing around for like 15 seconds. And then, uh, yeah. It uh it does its its classic trick one more time where uh there's 
a lot of negative space in the frame and it emerges out of focus in the top right of the frame and it attacks her just as she's like thinking she's safe and it mauls her and the sound drops out and Kyle your your face Dude. is telling me you had a reaction to this yeah i was actually like fuck yes it inevitably gets her i was so excited for this i'm like you know what this movie just went up a notch because the creature is going to go out on top and that's what i like i like i like a good horror movie ending where it's nobody makes it out alive it's all hopeless like it was we tried our best and it was well we were killed but no sadly no it, it mauls her and then it gets up to the camera shows he's got a stake right in his heart I'm like god damn it she got him man i thought i thought he was gonna win and um the sun is like it's we're it's still pretty early like the sun's kind of coming up um and like she kind of stands up and like kind of walks around and we get the uh, the reveal of all these bricks of clay like like just a whole bunch of uh bricks uh like just all mounded up um so you said that she she got scratched and she was bitten but the sun's not up yet so we might have you know blade 2 ending where she's just going to wait for the sun to come up and die maybe well two two alternate endings so the last shot in this movie is of her um it's just a shot of her and the sun is shining on her face and she's squinting Mm -hmm. and then snap snap to credits um alternate ending number one you're right she is turned and she actually died right after the right after the credits started Mm -hmm. um alternate ending number two which is how how uh, i think you would have liked to have seen this movie end uh the thing pounces on her and it it like drags her back into the bog and then uh, the sun comes up, and we cut to their car, and and the guy that they waved at, like finding it, and like looking for them, and mm-hmm. then we then the camera like goes up. If we could afford a crane, this is where you would use the crane. Yeah. But we can't afford a crane, so you have a crane shot showing him like standing at the car, like looking out into the field, and then we can see the bog, not too far from the car, and that's like, oh, he's gonna go looking for them, and he's gonna run into the thing. Yeah. And then the cycle will repeat. Ah, but no. Instead, we get her squinting at the sun and then snapped to credits. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was from The Dark. From yeah. 2014. Yeah. Um, not very good. Definitely had its moments, and it could have been really great. Uh, maybe with a little bit more money, they could have uh, turned it into a nice little tight little horror movie. Um, I get where it was trying to do, but it just kind of kind of bricked a few times. It's like, eh. A little too drawn out in some some places. A uh, little bit better acting. I give it like a. F- I'll give it like a. F- I'll give it a five. Fuck it. I'll give it a five out of ten. Five out of ten. Uh, give it like a four out of ten. Yeah. Maybe a th- maybe a. Uh, yeah, three point five or four. Honestly, yeah. like I understand. Like yeah, this was maybe the only movie we've done where I just like actively kind of threw my hands up and said I can't be bothered to care about this yeah um, um that's unfortunate because i i feel like i have a very high tolerance for crap mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that means there's definitely something wrong um yeah i just i just needed more more this action. was crap trying not to be crap though yes uh big time because uh, like i said you can tell there was actually a lot of thought and consideration that went into the production of this thing like whoever was writing the script had had a good idea of what they're trying to do mm-hmm. uh, whoever shot the thing had there was there's like a thesis running through the cinema 
the language of the cinematography for this movie. Only problem is it's not good. (laughs) At least it's not like an objectively bad thing. It's just like mm, it's it's in a language I don't particularly understand, I guess. Um, So definitely not a lazy effort. Um, Again, some of the acting between the two leads is actually quite good. Um, It's just it's kind of limp. Like there's, there's very little monster action of significance. Like it shows up a lot, almost to an obnoxious degree. Um, but it doesn't do much. It just kind of yeah. like pops up and it very seldom like lashes out at them. It just, it's there, mm-hmm. which I mean, that can work. In fact, there's a movie that I, I probably told you about, but, um, as is the norm I haven't seen yet. Um, uh, it follows. Mm, yeah. Uh, I've wanted to see that since it came out. I was you really, really watch that. it. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as I understand, the whole premise of that is that it's a constant problem that never, never hurries to get to you, but it's always there. And yeah. That's what makes it scary. Um, so that, that's a movie I very much would like to see. Um, apparently, it's very, very good. Um, yes. But it's a demonstration of that particular type of eeriness that maybe, maybe could have worked better in this if they had done things in a different fashion. Um, but yeah, um, I don't exactly know what I'm going to be picking for the remainder of May is for Monsters Month. But Kyle, do you do you have any idea what you're what you've got on the block? I think you have one in in mind. Yeah, I definitely want to revisit Jeepers Creepers. Um, I feel like it gets a bad rep, and uh, I remember be, being like pretty freaked out by the movie when I was younger. Um, yeah, I just want to I want to revisit, see if it holds up, if it's still a fun uh, a fun monster movie. Um, that or I want to watch uh, Nightbreed. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, and it's one that I've wanted to see for a little while now, and it's on Prime, so um, I might I might pull the trigger on that too. Night Nightbreed is a lot of fun. Um, if you like makeup effects, and I know you do, mm-hmm. um, it at the time I think it it was like one of the the grandest makeup effects projects in film. Mm. Um, I think the premise was we're going to take the cantina scene from A New Hope and like expand it 10 times and make that the entire movie um it has like a little bit of a little monsters vibe and in fact uh i want to say like it parallels the x-men quite a bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but there's a lot um it's a clive barker movie yeah and i think it's impossible to watch that movie without keeping that in your mind like i think it's actually essential to understanding the themes that he's communicating mm-hmm. um, because the fact that it comes from him um, gives things an extra dimension, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nightbreed is a good one. If you pick that one, I'd, I'd be all for it. Um, yeah, right. it's, it's not necessarily a, a monster movie, but it has lots of monsters in it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to be picking, but uh, yeah, I guess it's to me next week, so I better figure it out fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. Meanwhile, I just stay here <laughs> with you. I'm just here with you in my thoughts. And it's like I'm just uh, here by myself uh, talking to myself. To myself. That, that's that's <laughs> that, chaos. That's, that's, that's chaos. <laughs>